0: Hello and welcome to Media May, the show in which we, year by year, explore the movies, music, and TV that most evaded our lives. I am your host, the not-so-silent man, Rod, and I'm joined by... Age-appropriate, Jess. (laughs) On the fly.
1: (laughs) I just in this moment realized I don't have my notebook with me, that I didn't come up with a name, because music, I usually just have this thing up, and um, I was like, oh crap. If, oh, crap.
0: If you didn't think of one, like, off the cuff, I would have just said, Consenting adult, Jess. How dare you? <laughs> We're not talking about these things. Oh, uh, but hey, well, hi, this is Media Made. If this There's is your not fir- enough liquor in this episode. <laughs> if this is your first time with us, let me explain what we do. Uh, so this is a music episode. This is our music of 1994. Jess and I have looked through a list of every music album released in the year, 1994, and we've picked the ones that each of us have listened to the most. In Jess's case, it's the album she's heard the most songs from, I think. Yeah. And for me, it is the album I've listened to front to back the most from that year. Can um, we
1: get to the years where Jess has good choices for music, please? I'm not excited about
0: this episode. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, kids. I am. Because it was quite the musical journey, and you'll hear all about it in, in, in segment two. Can uh,
1: I not be here for that?
0: You gotta be here. You're the, you're the co-host. I don't know if that's true. You're always the co-host.
1: Mm. You've
0: done as many episodes as I have.
1: I think that's wrong. I'm pretty sure you did an episode by yourself.
0: No. Anyway, uh, we're going to jump right into it. We're going to listen to my album of 1994, released October 4th, 1994. The follow-up to their breakthrough hit in a well-regarded progressive metal classic. That is Awake by Dream Theater. The Triumphant Return of Dream Theater.
1: Huzzah! It's the last time we'll ever see them.
0: That's not true. (laughs) Uh, So if you have not listened to our 89 music episode or our 92 music episode, Dream Theater is my favorite band. It is indeed. Yep. Uh, That is why we've heard from them so often. But um, So Awake is actually like, people look back fondly on Awake. You know, it's usually in people's like top five Dream Theater albums, you know, usually like people say it's like, oh, it's their second best, you know, because it has the same team, really like the, the, the same creative core group that made Imogen's Words in 92. Mm-hmm. So people look back and like, oh, yeah, it's just as good as Image and Words. It should be looked back just as fondly. But in my humble opinion, it's fine. <laughs> it's not my favorite Dream Theater album. I, I really I, I think it's quite a step down from images, images and Words. It's got a lot of good songs on it, but it also has a lot of filler and stuff like stuff that I like enjoy listening to, but not necessarily like oh yeah, it's just so good. You know, it's just more of the same.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and it, it's funny we I, even for this episode. Normally, I would like pick like the most epic songs, the you know the songs with the deepest of meanings. But the epics in this one, the ones that like the super ambitious songs. In, in awake aren't they're not very they're not that, they're not all that good or interesting.
1: <laughs> they're they're just eh.
0: yeah. But uh yeah, so this was probably like one of the last Dream Theater albums that I had collected in high school. You know what do you mean? Like when I got into Dream Theater, I like progressively collected all of their their albums. Like you retroactively, know? yeah. Like went mm-hmm. back and listened to them. I got them on my iPod. Um, but this was one of the last ones that I actually got. Right. Um the me- the memories I most associate with this album are doing my homework as a senior in high school, sitting in the dark in my room at my computer either doing my homework or like browsing MySpace.
1: Such a sad boy. I
0: would stick I would go onto people's MySpaces and listen to this album off of MySpace when people used to do that. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, weird. I would I I didn't like I wasn't listening to music off of YouTube, I was listening to music off of MySpace. <laughs>
1: Well, that makes sense. Oh, okay, right. High school. Never mind. I was like, there was no YouTube in 1990. Wait, wait, wait. It was there in nineteen ninety.
0: 1990... Oh no, yeah, that's nineteen ninety four. I wasn't lying. <laughs> like, yeah, I was but a there baby.
1: Was, but there was YouTube when you were watching. When I was in it,
0: high yeah. school, listening to this album on MySpace, I could have been listening to it.
1: Time is a concept <laughs> that I don't understand fully. So sometimes things are just always happening at the same moment. But yeah, you know,
0: stalking girls MySpaces. As a high school student, it was a thing. You I may
1: a... finish the show on your own. We are not
0: talking about... MySpace stalking, Feeling
1: sad. I need MySpace right now, you stalker.
0: <laughs> anyway, that's that's my history with Awake, really. And this is the first time you've heard it, most of these songs, or any of these songs.
1: Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Unless they were playing while we were in the car. I just don't listen to your music when it was. I love you. Any
0: noteworthy things before we jump into the songs regarding the this album at all? It's...
1: Know. Um, one of the title, the titles of one of the tracks that we're going to listening talk about today made me think of, um, that platform program that I put on a while back when we had to do like themes, uh, like section themes for seven. And I just like, one of my themes was two 43 AM oh, and then yeah. just letting artists like whatever that means to you, go ahead. Right, so,
0: right. but anyway, let's jump into the history of awake. Um, this is kind of chapter three for dream theater for our show mm-hmm. if you want to you want to know about you know um the early history of dream theater go listen to our 89 and 92 music episodes uh, you'll get a lot about dream theater's formation and uh you know them them trying to break into the mainstream
1: break and, mainstream and getting
0: pushed down by the man
1: <laughs> pushed down in the stream anyway well, I have a question yeah well, just because you said like this is chapter 3, which I know you mean because this is the third time they've been on the show, <laughs> Friends of the Show Dream Theater. But would you like say that their career had like chapters? Would you
0: Yeah, this so, is like chapter 2 of their career. Got it. Yeah, because they're 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 coming off their greatest hit. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. The, the This is technically like their sophomore album, right? Even though it's their third album, it's really their second because, you know, they just got a new singer. It's like a new chapter in the life, new label, new everything. So they're coming off what was their biggest hit, and they're trying to maintain that momentum. Right. Um, Yeah. Things will take a turn.
1: (laughs) Have we talked about all three of their albums? We sure have. Dream Theater is your favorite pizza (laughs) place. (laughs)
0: So as we talked about in our 1992 music show, progressive metal band Dream Theater released their first hit album uh, in the form of Images and Words, um, writing off the back of the single Pull Me Under. Pull Me Under was...
1: Under the mainstream?
0: It was the greatest hit. It was on MTV.
1: (laughs) And some other cool
0: songs. (laughs) Yes. Um, The album's success kicked off a world tour, which produced Dream Theater's first live album and their first video album. That's cool.
1: Yeah. I don't, what does that mean?
0: It's like you would sell a VHS tape that was a recording of your album.
2: Um, or of a
0: performance, excuse me. Can they make a video game album? Uh, a few bands have made video game albums, like Iron Maiden. What does that mean? Don't want to know. <laughs> don't want to know. Moving on. Iron Maiden had a first-person shooter starring their mascot, Eddie the Ed. <laughs> I definitely said I didn't want to know. <laughs>
1: Backdoor pilot episode from video Video game
0: band. (laughs) Band video games. Um, The band officially started work on their follow-up in February 1994. At the time, they felt pressure from their record label, East West Records, to produce more metal-oriented and marketable material in hopes that they could reproduce the success of Pull Me Under. Mm. So keep that in mind. This album is them trying to make music that is more metal-oriented and marketable.
1: Is that... Contradictory information. Uh,
0: they're, they're, uh, I'll explain a little bit more, but basically, the 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 label wanted them to keep in line with the metal music that was selling at the time. Mm. Okay, and I'll, I'll in a, in a little bit. I'll tell everybody what like the state of metal and rock was in 1994. Oh, because believe it or not, it is quite different than what it was in 91, 92. There's no way it could be different. <laughs> the 90s have brought many changes. The writing process was reportedly characterized by tension and arguments. Uh, keyboardist Kevin Moore said, quote, there are ar- there are arguments that last forever because there's nobody to come in and draw the line.
2: Mm.
0: Um, drummer Mike Portnoy said, quote, the fighting nev- never came to blows, but there was a lot of bickering over every single element, like the fine details of what the third note of the 64th bar should be. So Dream Theater, they're all big music nerds. And also, there's no real leader in the band, so they're all just kind of, like, pressing up against each other. Right. I can understand there being friction. (laughs) Right. In the most asinine kind of ways. For them, it's super important, but for me, the layman, I'm like, I don't know what the third note of the 64th (laughs) bar even means.
1: What is this math rock you're talking about?
0: Uh, Dream Theater entered the studio to record the album in May 94 with John Pirtle and Dwayne Barron, who had previously worked with Ozzy Osbourne, serving as producers. Uh, that means they did not have the pre- previous album's producer, the one that insisted that they use digital, like, snare drum sounds and mm. other nonsense.
1: Which they were all
0: yeah. for. Yeah, uh, like, I can understand them wanting to go with, like, metal veterans, like these two producers were, right? right. They worked with Ozzy Osbourne on Ozzy Osbourne's album um, No More Tears, which was, like, the synthiest synth- like, al- metal album ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, like, right up their wheelhouse, you know? Yeah, and that, that, that is the history of Awake, really.
1: Ah, that was so short I stayed awake.
0: <laughs> you know, it's just two years of, of basically them writing the success of their previous album. I and
3: mean,
0: then having it trouble creating their second one.
1: That's always hard.
0: They, they say, like, you're, you're, you you're have your entire life to write your first album. Mm-hmm. And then you have, like, however much time, like two years to write your second one. And that's always an issue.
1: Why can't you write your first and second albums at the same time, I say, as a person who is not a musician? (laughs) I don't
0: know. Anyway, let's jump into these songs. Okay. So the first song we're going to talk about is called Six O'Clock, and it goes a little something like this. I said I was going to talk about the state of metal at the time, right? hmm As mentioned above, the band's label wanted heavier, darker music to capitalize on the popularity of alternative metal, groove metal, and grunge. Okay. Those were the three most prominent and popular rock metal genres at the time. Okay. okay? So groove metal, which was like the, the drum and and guitar in this song especially the riffs totally groove metal so bands like pantera sepultura white zombie
1: yeah I definitely know all of these
0: <laughs> bands oh yeah I love myself some brown zombie <laughs> you've heard you've heard of rob zombie yes uh, film director rob zombie <laughs> no okay anyway <laughs> this is so like they they came out of the thrash metal scene right like they they're like the next generation, right? So they grew up listening to thrash metal, but they also grew up to acts like Black Sabbath and stuff from the, the late 70s, early 80s, right? Right. So they thought, okay, thrash metal emphasized speed and aggression. We want to make, like keep that, but de-emphasize the speed and bring in more of the bluesy grooviness from the late 70s, early 80s. Okay. So it's sort of like a melding of the two styles into create something called groove metal.
1: Okay.
0: That's that's the best way I can describe it. And it, it, as you listen to it, you understand what I'm talking about. Like, you, we listened to thrash metal for the show. We listened to Megadeth. Yes. Right? Which was all about fierceness, like fast, right? This... <laughs> groove metal is a bit more... I don't know. It's slower. It's slower. It's more methodical. It's more like... It has like more blues riffs. I mean I understand what groove means. That's that's all I you know that's But the, that's when I think groove metal,
1: obviously my brain thinks gorillas. That's not what Feel that.
0: Good Well the the, the bass in Fear, Feel Good Inc has a groove that's, to it. Yeah, that's yeah. my brain. So, so when you, you say
1: groove metal I think of if you the t- bassist
0: humping his guitar <laughs> in that specific song <laughs> So if you take feel good ink and just make it more metal, that could be groove metal. (laughs) So keep that in mind. No, guys, don't keep that in mind. (laughs) Take that out of your mind right now. Um, Also popular at the time was alternative metal. Okay. So this was metal mixed with the 90s or alternative sound that had been like growing in popularity since the 90s started. Nickelback. No, not yet. Not yet. So your your alternative metal bands are like your Alice in Chains, your Jane's Addictions, um, your Tools. I know all of these words as well. <laughs> it's it's more like punky, Brewster. Yeah, it's, it's alternative punk mixed with metal. So got it. Yeah, um, I, I I tend to enjoy uh, some alternative metal. It's a lot of fun. Like Nickelback. <laughs> no, um, even like I guess even like Offspring to an extent. Offspring's more pop rock I'm pretty sure I only know one Offspring song.
1: Like one song that I know and I tribute to Offspring. I'm sure I've heard other
0: Offspring songs, but I only know the one. Offspring's like pop punk, but if you made it a little bit harder, it's it's mostly metal. <laughs> um even like so Metallica by in like within a year or two, Metallica is going to cut their hair and go full alternative metal.
1: Oh, is Metallica alternative metal?
0: It, they become alternative metal in the 90s and it made a lot of metal fans mad. <laughs>
1: So cutting your hair yes. like Samson makes you go from It didn't make metal them stronger, to, it made
0: them weaker, according oh, to some metal fans. Oh gosh. That's so do you, so there's a story that I we me you you invited me to one of your co-workers' houses for dinner, right? Like we, Yes. We went to a co-worker's home. Oh, I miss Charlie. They 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 cooked for us, we were hanging out right and her boyfriend or husband was a metal fan, so that we connected over that. He and yeah. I were talking about metal and he didn't know he didn't realize that I like to be sarcastic. So mm-hmm. he's we were talking about Metallica and he's like, Oh, what's your favorite Metallica album? And I said in a sarcastic tone. I like load. Which was their their alternative metal phase. And he looks at me like, what? And I'm like, I'm joking.
1: I'm actually very sure cause Charlie's related to it too. I'm pretty sure she like was talking to me and then stopped and turned and stared at you. Like just stopped dead in the middle of her sentence. So I was like, Ah, I don't know. I guess yeah. that was a loaded answer.
0: Yeah, so load is like full alternative metal and a lot of the purest metal fans were like, We don't like this
1: take a moment to ex- to appreciate the beauty of my pun dad jokes that's right
0: <laughs> call me daddy you <laughs> and the third prevailing rock genre and ha- they this this they ruled the day from like you know the early 90s all the way to the mid 90s it was grunge okay grunge is about to fizzle out they got a few years a few more years to go but they're about to fizzle out and the 90s are going to be full on alternative rock but your Sound Gardens Your Nirvanas Your uh, Stone Temple Pilots I actually know all those words <laughs> Pearl Jam they're, they, they, they are ch- topping the rock charts
1: Okay And so this was an effort to
0: Be uh, more like those things aw. Yes What if? So again let me, let me start up 6 o'clock once again And we'll talk a little bit about the lyrics
1: Hey what time do you think it is right now kids 6.30 On the dot
0: So you hear that drum? So it's a bit more groovy than what you'd hear on Images and Words. Okay. So it is six o'clock on a Christmas morning. hmm Um. And for what? <laughs> what do you? What, what did you think of this song? Because I, I honestly, I kind of put it on the the list to talk about because I didn't know what it was about going into this episode.
1: Did you Google it and find out what it was about? A little about? bit,
0: yes. So what what are your impressions of six o'clock and its lyrics
1: um that it's somebody who doesn't want to wake up but has to because they've got stuff to do to be perfectly honest like I feel like and this will be a trend uh for this specific album uh well no, this whole episode I was like I mean cool line bro, but what you talking about <laughs> that was a lot of it there's stuff that i I liked, yeah. but I was just like mm,
0: you with? did. You did like. Hand, you you did nail it a little bit. Like this is totally a song about ennui. Yeah. It's like I don't want to get up in the morning and yeah. do what I have to do. Yeah. Like I am confronted with responsibility and it's awful. Yeah. I just want to go back to sleep. The line
1: that I like, li- I think there was in this song just like three lines that I highlighted, but are portions. And then this one, it, it says At six o'clock. The siren kicks him from a dream. Tries to shake it off, but. It just won't stop. Can't find the strength, but he's got promises to keep.
0: Like... And he's got wood to chop before he sleeps.
1: I feel that. The only time... The only reason I get up to go to work is because I have to feed my husband. Otherwise...
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, this song was written by keyboardist Kevin Moore, who I've said in our previous episode, I totally connect with this guy on some kind of, like, spiritual level.
2: Mm. He and I...
0: I think his struggles are my struggles sometimes, right? Like, the way he describes getting woken up in the morning is like how I feel sometimes, right? (laughs) Especially when I'm in a troubled, like, you know, I'm in like a troubled stage in my life, you know, like waking up from a dream and having life crash down on top of you. And he, he, I love the way he puts it. It kicks him from a dream, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you've been kicked in the butt and you're just like, (laughs) ah, like the, the, the peace I felt in my dream is gone now.
1: Yeah, and now all I'm left is this this bitter, harsh reality.
0: Yeah. Then it's just like you you wake up and it's like – I've described this in other places, but it's like you you get woken up. There's a split second where you're like still half asleep and you're like, okay, what's going on? And as soon as you realize I am awake, that's when everything rushes in. Your responsibilities, what you have to do that day, uh, issues from – The previous day all rush into your mind and you're just like overwhelmed. Mm. So for him to describe waking up at six o'clock in the morning, like your alarm coming off, like a siren. That's the overwhelming emotion that he's describing. Promises to keep. I got to go to work.
1: Yeah. Sits in his car, but doesn't get out of it. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, the song is just... I, I. it's about the pain of being an adult, <laughs> of having, like, things... I think, like, it's even really interesting how it starts off and also ends that way. Uh, six o'clock, Christmas morning, and for what? Well, isn't uh, it for the honor of God, Aunt Kate? Uh, I know all about the honor of God, Mary Jane. Uh, that's Those are the lyrics, which I think is interesting, because with the, the thought of this, like, the ennui that the song is portraying that is putting forth the idea that six o'clock on Christmas morning, obviously you're up, but someone says for what, which a child would be like, I'm up. Yes, let's do this. It's time to go in presence. But a, an adult needs to question, like I have a day off. Why am I awake right now? Why do I need to be up? And taking kind of the magic, I guess, out of it. Yeah. And then later, on in the song, it goes: the pain inside coming outside. So many ways to drown a man. So many ways to drag him down. And it's just, yeah, yeah. That's that's what that's what uh, coming into adulthood feels like. Nobody tells you, because then you wouldn't make it to adulthood.
0: Because who would choose this? This whole song tells the life of a hu- of like a human man, <laughs> like a human person in adulthood. It's like the day in the life almost. Yeah. Right? Um, before I go on with that, the the sample at the beginning, the six o'clock on a Christmas morning, that comes from the film The Dead. Uh, which is an adaptation of a James Joyce short story. Oh, I don't, made
1: a whole film based on a short story?
0: Yeah, uh, I don't think the, the, the movie necessarily has anything to do with the song. They o- just like Other than, it. yeah, like, Kevin Moore likes to do that. He likes to sample things. So maybe he watched this movie, and it's just like, he heard that phrase, like, 6 o'clock, and just decided to roll with it. Yeah. Um, but, so, like, the, the song like, describes, like, you know, going into work or going and doing what you have to do that day, right? And I feel like the the way the song moves uh, musically is also kind of an, a metaphor for, like, the moments of one's day in confronting all of these things. Mm-hmm. Like, there's one point where the song just, like, stops, slows down, and it feels like going on your break at work. <laughs> like, going out to your car, like, just, like, trying to, like, close your eyes for a little bit, you know, or... Who go- among
1: us have not slept in their car to get away from their co-workers?
0: Back when I used to work in, in an office, I would, like, shut the office door, and sometimes i just turn the lights off and, like, cover the door so that I could just be alone.
1: Considering I still work at the place that I did certain things to be alone, I can't say it on camera. That's not what this is. On mic.
0: Um, so this is what that sounds like. very noisy with all the guitar solos and, and keyboard solos and stuff and then inside. it just slows down.
2: Coming outside,
0: it's like the pain inside coming outside. I don't know. It just... To me, it sounds like like breathing. Like... This whole song is taking a breath before having to, like, dive back in. Yeah. So I did look up a little bit about Kevin Moore's state of mind when writing this song. Mm -hmm. Um, Kevin Moore, to put it mildly, was reconsidering his position in the band and in the music industry when writing this song. Okay. Yeah. um, One one stanza in in the lyrics says, Melody walks through the door and memory flies out the window. And nobody knows what they want till they finally let it all go. And I feel like the line "nobody w- nobody knows what they want" both describes himself and the band that he's in, right? Yeah. When I heard about how they were always arguing when when writing this album and recording it, I can understand he's like he's just as frustrated with like the inner workings of this band and of the music industry because he's probably also describing the the music executives yeah the ones who are telling them well you need your music needs to sound like this well now it needs to sound like this now nobody knows what they want and I don't like this corporate environment that I'm in now right so this whole s- him waking up and saying I don't want to go to work you have to look at it through his like you, applying it to Kevin Moore the man it's like he wakes up and says I don't want to go and be a musician today
1: yeah <laughs> I
0: don't want to go to work. His job is to be the keyboardist in Dream Theater, and he doesn't want to do that. Which is fair. Yeah, and I think this is this song is him dealing with those issues.
1: Yeah, putting them to paper.
0: But that's six o'clock.
1: There's only one other line that I thought was interesting in it. What's that? Uh, but don't cut your losses too soon, because you'll only be cutting your throat. <laughs> what,
0: what? Is that? what do you think he means by that?
1: That if you don't count the cost properly, you'll be ending your own life? <laughs> Ending your own So you're thing? saying
0: he, he's he's like, so you think he's like, he's trying to figure this out now. Make decisions right now so that he doesn't end up yeah. regretting his decisions later.
1: Yeah. I That's that. what I think. Yeah. But also like not being full hearted in it, you yeah, know, just yeah. like, oh man, I'm sick of coming to work. I'm sick of all these things. I'm just going to quit. Yeah. But had you like pushed on three more months, it would have been done, you know, and now you're not in the band. You're not part of this thing that you built. You're not da 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 da. You know. Or, I don't care if in three months that is where I'm at, I can't stand this anymore. You know, like, to really think about it. I don't
0: want to be miserable away from my home doing a job that I hate um, and being stuck with it. Because that's all, like, the fame has made it so that I am this guy now.
1: Yeah, even if I go home, they will know me as this guy. Yeah, so I think it's just about being wise, about this kind of 6am, 6pm decision.
0: It's smart, I like it. Thanks. <laughs> well, moving on, the next song we talk about is called "The Mirror." So The Mirror, before we get into the lyrical content, I felt like this would be another song that I could um, use as a jumping-off point to describe the uh, the state of, of rock music at the time. Okay. okay. So like your normal rock music, your normal metal, uh, this song has drums and, and guitar, right? And they mm-hmm. came in and they had the riff and stuff like that. But also prominently are the keyboards, right? Right. Very orchestral. It sounds like like a moody horror Type song, right? Like, like Dracula's Castle or something, right? With the the organs, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. At this point in time, keyboards were a no no <laughs> in popular rock music. Okay, Yay. I think synthesizers and keyboards were a were so prominent in the in the eighties that by the nineties they were being rejected by the popular music crowd. Okay. Okay. Um, most of the rock of this time was stripped down. Dealt with, um, you know, basically stripped down, garage band type sound, right? Right. Just your guitar, drums, singing, bass, right? Like, keep it clean, okay? Grunge, um, your alternative rock, all of that was just like straight, stripped down, no frills, no keyboards. Get the 80s sound, we're done with that. (laughs) Okay. I have a clip to play, okay? Um, Is this a
1: song without this keyboard?
0: It is not a song without the keyboard. This is a clip- from the Howard Stern show in the 90s. Alright. <laughs> and th- this The radio show? The radio show. Mm. This'll give you an idea of what people thought about Dream Theater's music with the keyboards at the time of this album's release. This this clip's a little long, so bear with me.
3: Who's this? Dream Theater. Who is it? Dream Theater. Green Theater? Dream D-R-E-A-M. Dream Theater. Dream Theater? Dream (laughs) Theater. These guys are nasty. They're angry about something. Is that Dream Theater? Want to hear the rest of that? You got it? Sure. Yeah, I want to see where that goes. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Because sometimes it goes right in the toilet. (laughs) Oh. I got to go see these guys. (laughs) I'm gonna to go to that uh, Nine Inch Nails show. Are you? Yes, my wife will let me. I'm allowed out on a Friday That's night. A good boy. Yeah, I gotta behave myself. I don't. Know, this is getting a little orchestral for me.
2: Yeah, I, where did
3: they come? I, I'd lose that that Casio in the background there, but the drum and the guitar are cool. The organ's uh, ruining it. Sometimes you better just play the uh intro. Okay. Nah, up, oh, you lost me. Goodbye, everybody. I gotta go home for the weekend. I'd fire half the band. That'd be my first <laughs> move if I was their manager. I'd fire half the band. You, you and you out. Yeah. Organ player out.
0: <laughs> that was rude. He they then proceed to play every song from the album and he's like crap, 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 crap. <laughs> you just wow. just like Yeah, he's just like trashes Dream Theater because of the keyboard. <laughs> So, yes. And that's why he wanted to leave. <laughs> that, that might be one of the reasons why he wanted to leave. Yeah, so, legit, the, the, the type of music that Dream Theater was playing was not what, like, the, the, the mainstream, they didn't necessarily want to hear it. So mm. that's what they're up against. But the thing I appreciate the most about Dream Theater is they stick to their guns. They, they they play the music that they want to play, right? And it's like, I feel like that's why the fans stuck with them for so long. It's because it's like, no, these guys, they write music for them and their fans. And it's like, they say, you know, forget the music business. If our songs are popular, like in the mainstream, that's just extra. Yeah. For us, it's more important to just like build this cult audience. Right.
1: So and I they've appreciate got that. it.
0: And Howard Stern, he's a jerk. <laughs> yeah. The man can have his opinions. I understand where <laughs> he's coming from. <laughs> he- if he want, if he's the if he's the kind of guy who wants to go, yeah, I'm very excited to go watch the Nine Inch Nails show. Right, mm-hmm. I can understand him also being like, yeah, okay, this is not what I want to hear at yeah. the moment. This this one's
1: not for me, guys. Yeah,
0: even though like Nine Inch Nails gets pretty Orchestra? orchestral, like electronic in a lot of places, like the industrial rock and stuff. like that. I don't like think
1: that, I've but. ever heard a Nine Inch Nails song, so I will agree with you.
0: But anyway, <laughs> well, let me let me start the mirror back up, and we'll talk more about the lyrics. So, The Mirror was written by drummer Mike Portnoy. Uh, this was the first song released on a Dream Theater album with lyrics fully written by Mr. Portnoy. Nice. Any thoughts on The Mirror?
1: When I, like, was reading it at first, like, in the first stanza, I was like, is this a song about faith? And then, like... Sort pretty, of. Pretty close to after that, it's it mentions faith by word. And I was like, so was I right? But then when I got to the end, I was like, is this a song about, um... The demands placed on oneself by oneself, sort of. Yeah, so you're was, like
0: skirting around the area.
1: I'm in a round skirt in the area.
0: So, this song is written about Mike Portnoy's alcoholism.
1: Uh. Okay,
0: uh, he was a recovering alcoholic at this time. Like, um, at this time, mm-hmm. um, he, I think he, he may not have already completed his alcohol, Alcoholics Anonymous like twelve step program, okay. but I think he had started it or, or was in the midst of it, okay? So this song is very much inspired by the Alcoholics Anonymous 12-step program. All okay, right. Which invo- which faith. is very much a faith-based program. Right. right? There's a lot of, um, you know, uh, there's a huge emphasis on humility, you know, uh, finding faith, um, making amends, and, like, not just with your loved ones and yourself, but with God. Right. Right? So – I can understand him bringing those elements into the song because that's the subject matter, you know, is based on those things.
1: Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Likewise, setting accountability and standards for yourself is something you need to do when you are a recovering alcoholic. Yeah. Uh, In 1999, Portnoy said, "Quote: For 15 years straight, I drank and drugged every day, but it was always kind of responsible and always at the end of the night, and that would be until like it got worse and worse and worse and worse. Right. And he said, the moment Mm -hmm. when I was like drinking before the show and it was affecting my playing. That's when I realized I have a very, very real problem. hmm yeah.
1: well, that's lucky that he was able to like self-diagnose and get himself some place where he could get help before like something you know wasn't didn't have to be an intervention because so many things had been done wrong.
0: right. So, so, like, you can actually hear Mike in these songs. Like, um, so, James Labrie, he sings all the, the you know, the, the normal singing parts. But every stanza starts with Mike Portnoy whispering the words word. in, into, the, into the, the mic. Like, yeah. he'll be like, temptation, temptation. And self-control, hypocrite, and resistance, mm. right? Because I feel like that's him kind of, like, putting a title to each one of the stanzas, you know, it's like these are the things that I need to repeat to myself over and over again.
1: That makes sense. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's cool having your hand in that. I think knowing that it's about um, fighting alcoholism is that the proper way to say that? Yeah, uh, com- combating it or combating? Yeah, uh, knowing that that like the s- lines that I highlighted make. Even more, sen- obviously, they make more sense knowing the intentionality behind it that the writer put, but um, specifically the line, I spent so long trusting you, I trust you forgot, just when I thought I believed in you. And when I was reading through it the first time, I was trying to figure out, okay, but what what is that? I, it's, I, I really like those set of lines, mm-hmm. but knowing that it's about alcohol, saying I spent so long trusting this drug.
0: Oh, so you, I was going to ask you, who do you think you is? And you think the it's alcohol. The, the alcohol.
1: Yeah, I spent so long trusting in the alcohol. I trust that you forgot the alcohol has n- no relationship with him, no care for him or whatever. Just when I thought I believed in you or even in the person that I became when I was drunk, you know? Yeah. Um, It's time for me to deal uh, becoming all too real. And so, yeah, that's what I thought it was.
0: So let me play. Let me play a stand like a, a verse of the song, because um, I want to go back to the like the you being a metaphor for the alcohol, mm-hmm. right? Or the pronoun for the alcohol. Let me find that. When you close the door-
1: I would like to revise my statement of what I thought you was.
0: Okay, go ahead.
1: <laughs> I still think that you can have switching pronouns, right? Like yeah. you can do it more than sure. once. Sure, he's talking to
0: multiple people. Yes, but I
1: think it's the you uh, that didn't believe he had a problem. Mm. So he's still talking to himself. Even he's at talking the, to himself. Even at the end when, like, the line that I originally thought, like, this is about, like, how we... Um, about the demands you put, we place on ourselves. Even just hearing your story where he... Did it for 15 years, and it was never really a problem to be at night at the end of the day. Uh, and he kept telling himself, like, it's not a problem. Yeah, I drink every night, but it's at night. I've finished all of my things. But I, until it became obviously, yeah, I guess your show started at night. So you're not wrong. You did start drinking at night, but it was before the show. or So these things even going in, like, uh, why did you pretend... Like, why are you lying? Why now I have to face this very real thing because you like I couldn't trust in myself because of how the alcohol empowered me to like believe these lies
0: yes. or whatever. Because so <laughs> that that verse there um, to me, it was just like this is his, I, especially with the song be called the mirror. Right. And it ends that with look in the mirror, my friend. He's talking to himself right. in the mirror. Right. And so him to say things like, why did you lie and pretend this has to come to an end? I'll never trust you again. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking like, I can understand that. Like, I don't know what the instigating incident is for this song. Right. Mm -hmm. Like something in this speaker's past, he's done something recently that made him realize you've gone too far. Right. right? I don't know what it is. I don't know what made him think to say to himself, I'll never trust you again. It's time for you to make your amends. Right. Whatever it was, it was clearly like overwhelming. It was like, He's like guilt ridden over Mm. it. Whatever it is, it forced him to basically look in the mirror, look himself in the eye and tell him, you need to stop. Right. Yeah. You've been lying to yourself. Yeah. Right. You've been pretending. It's a problem now. I mean, I I don't know. The fact that I don't know what that issue is kind of makes it better because I think it like makes the song more powerful. Right. It has like this like ambiguity towards it where it's just like, you know, something terrible happened. And you know what the result is, like what, you know, this like indignation in him, it's created, but I don't know what it is.
1: I don't know. Which, you know, good, right? Like we all got to have our own things. And I think it tells a very strong tale.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so at, at about the three minute, 20 second mark, the song slows down and you just hear a bunch of samples. Were they even listed in your...
1: your- not in this song the shadow the the next song
0: so so there's a bunch of different you're going to hear a bunch of different like samples from different movies and stuff Bye, Helen. So all those samples come from three films, 1984's Falling in Love, 1992's Damage and 1992's Light Sleeper, okay? I looked up the plots to these movies and they all none of them like have the same like themes I guess, you know, except for they all deal with like troubled people who are in a circumstance that they know is wrong but they continue to do it. Like beyond their it's like their vice Is beyond their control, and like in the one with like uh, falling in love, I think stars Glenn Close, and there's a scene where she's like looking in the mirror, saying to herself like, "This needs to stop." Like, I don't know if she's cheating on her husband or what. Like, this needs to stop. You need to stop it. So maybe Mr. Portnoy watched that movie and connected with these characters who are all dealing with their own personal demons, and they all recognized what I'm doing is wrong, and I need to stop, but I don't know how. Mm. And it's frustr, you know, it's like frustrating. I'm lost. I need to go therapy, whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's some good insight there. (laughs) I also haven't seen or heard of any of these movies. Okay. That's some good insight. So even just how this ends, right? Like, uh, it's time you made your amends. Look in the mirror, my friend. Let's stare the problem right in the eye. It's plagued me from close to close coast-to-coast, coast. and this kind of thing, like, I guess going in line with just, like, what you were saying in the movies, right? The, or at least Glenn <laughs> Um, Where, like, you you have to be the one to... To admit it, to see it, you know, just because people around you see a problem doesn't, like, it means nothing if you don't accept that it's also a yeah. problem.
0: you, you gotta and take that, personal responsibility.
1: Yeah, and that, like, he's retroactively, like, looking back. Like, this isn't a new thing, saying, like, okay, let's look it straight in the eye. I've had to deal with this all over the world, in all of my travels, coast to coast. Yep. Um, And then, like, trying to treat yourself, you know, uh like saying we have to make amends, calling yourself a friend, like, because I think that that's sometimes one of those things. I don't know about you, but like, if people treat my friends like crap, I'm going to jail because Mm. I have hit someone. (laughs) But if people treat me like crap, I probably deserved it. And I think that sometimes, right? Like there's sometimes, I know I do this to you all the time when you like, like, kick something and you hurt your foot. I'm like, don't hurt my husband. And <laughs> you get really mad. Like, yeah. stop hurting my husband in a very, like, silly way. But I think that sometimes we have to, like, take this look at ourself. Like, okay, if this was a friend, if this was someone I cared about, because clearly I'm not caring about myself, what would I do? You know, like, what yeah. would I I um, ask them to do, right? Like, and looking yourself in, in the eye. Uh, looking, It says, look in the mirror, my friend. Like, staring yourself in the eye and saying these things is hard because you like have to like really face yourself and i think facing yourself is the worst thing right like yeah. and then it's reflections of reality uh, um it, and it legitimately says uh racing the clock to please everyone all but the one who matters the most reflections of reality slowly coming into view because i mean uh, especially like as you've been saying that the issues that the band had been having and everybody having a different question, maybe he tends to be the more, the most, like, okay, sure, let's do that. Like, I don't know. Well, he's, he's no, ser- nothing. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's very outspoken. Okay, then, um, but still trying to, like, at some, you know, like, eh, this could just be a lyric, but it could also just be, like, he feels like he's trying to maybe please his fans, please his family, yeah. please, like, these different things, but then instead of taking time to, like, please himself to do things that, like, are constructive, he just... It's easier to just, like, drink or something. So I think that that's um, important. And the the song ends with the lines, it's time to make amends, I'll never hurt you again. And I think that that's one of the, like, strongest pieces that come with addiction, come with um, any of these kind of things. Because to admit that you have hurt yourself and that you are worth protecting and guarding is a very difficult thing to
2: do.
0: I want to talk about the, the you pronoun again, right? Mm-hmm. He says like racing the clock to please everyone all, but the one who matters the most. If we're camping on the fact that he's been talking to himself in the mirror, the one who matters the most is himself. And right. I feel like that's what you've been making the case for. Like, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying this is another interpretation that yeah. I'm like coming to. I'm like thinking maybe he's talking to about someone else, like a loved one that he's hurt, yeah. whatever that instigating incident was for. That's making him like reflect on himself. He realizes he's hurt someone very close to him. I can I can only imagine it's his wife. I don't know, you know. Yeah, but like that's the one who's matter who matters the most, and I've hurt them, you know, while traveling the world and trying to please everyone else, right? Mm-hmm. Because, and let me let me play this this verse, I guess, because it ends with almost like this very like angry tone, right? I th- I feel like it's like a, it's like an indignation, you know. Mm-hmm. He's indignant. That's why he's angry. It's not like a. Bad anger. I think it's a constructive anger. Is this is how in the hell could you possibly forgive me? After all the hell I've put you through, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I can't imagine him saying that to himself, right? Right. Other than like he really, it's like this very self-deprecating thing where it's like, I can't possibly forgive myself for what I've done to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like it's it's got to be something else. Like he recognizes his he's hurting those closest to him.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a valid uh, um, assessment. Uh, and I could easily see that. I do want to say, though, that that's definitely a thing that you could say to yourself. Mm. You know, because I think, again, going back to this this kind of when you spiral, uh, if you don't admit that you need to forgive yourself, if you don't admit that you have done yourself wrong, there's no need to change. Like, again, what, I, what I'm what i saying, right? Like the, oh, I probably deserve it. Oh, I shouldn't expect more than me. Oh, I sh- I'm just going to go back to that because I'm not good, you know? Yeah. So, I, I still also think, like, how it's written, it totally could be. It could like, be one or the other. It could be one of the other. Could be both. Could be both. Porque no las dos? Yeah.
0: But I, I've always just liked how angry that is. She's mm. like, well, how, how could you possibly forgive me? I can understand being in that place, right? Yeah. It's like, I've gone too far. How could I ever make up for what I've done? Yeah. Right? Like, doing something so wrong and, like, feeling like, I don't know, like lost. Yeah. Um, And I feel like that's why like these 12-step program is like so based on faith because like it calls to mind like salvation that you can't possibly get from yourself or anyone around you.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And like being that far down in that pit, you know, you need like this – you need like this like otherworldly grace because you can't imagine ever being forgiven for what you've done yeah so it's a very strong song it's it's powerful it's based in reality i i like it yeah. this 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 is my one of my two favorite songs on the album
1: nice and i hope you're you're still sober young man
0: he he's doing much better like Good. yeah he's i i think he's been sober for a long long time i think he he keep it up keep it up um you're doing great yeah it's it's a lifelong struggle i uh, from what i've heard i' you know I, I can't say i i struggle with it but i've heard that it's, it's not, it's something you have to battle every day. Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You never, you never stop being an addict.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, what's our next song? Woo. Hey, the next song is an enigma. <laughs> it's called Lifting Shadows Off a Dream. It's, it's much lighter. It's, it's a song that um, Howard Stern would turn off immediately. <laughs> oh gosh. Go something like this. Quite twinkly. <laughs> so, Lifting Shadows Off a Dream was written by bassist John You And if you recall our conversations about Mr. myung from our previous Dream Theater discussions... He's very quiet. He's a quiet, quiet man. Um, but when he has things to say, people want to hear from him because I feel like it's authentic, you know? Because mm. it's like the man of few words... But when he has something to say, usually is meaningful.
1: Taciturn.
0: This is not one of those times. <laughs> <laughs> I so, agree. So allegedly, lifting shadows off a dream um, began as a poem and two chords brought to the band by bassist John Mayung. I guess he had written these this little poem, wrote a few chords, and brought them to the band and said, "Hey guys, here's what I've got." And they were like, "Cool, let's work <laughs> on that." <laughs>
1: I mean, we can't always have nice... We can't always have, like, great, amazing things. God, he has to prove that he's human.
0: <laughs> Sometimes you, you, you write something, it just doesn't land.
1: Yeah. And you know what? It still made it on the album.
0: It did. <laughs> did. Like, before we get into, like, really deep analysis of the lyrics, like, what were your first impressions of these songs? Of The, the song and its lyrics, I guess. Like, first Conf- impressions.
1: I Am Confusion.
0: Yes, me too. <laughs> I don't know what this song is about.
1: Nope, nee me, nee me. Nee, so, nee, yeah. so
0: uh, guitarist John Petrucci said, uh, when talking about this song like, after the fact, quote, we worked on it, racked our brains, recorded the jam, and by the end of the night, we were like, ah, F it, this sucks. <laughs> 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 we came in the next day, listened to the recording, and thought it, it could be really cool. All of a sudden, it evolved into this song. <laughs> and I'm like, cool, you made something out of it. I'm happy about that. But like, it You ca- made something. It was like... It sucked at the start of it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's so, that's so sad. Mm. Uh, yeah, so like musically, the song's fine. It, it's, it's nothing exceptional. It's you'd, just kind of like.
1: you prefer it as an instrumental?
0: I guess I could. Yeah, I guess. Like, again, even the music, I'm like, say so it's fine. Like, it, I'm like, this is like a very weak song in terms of like Dream Theater's discography, which is why I wanted to look at it, because I feel like we need to look at, we need to take the good with the bad. right and so let's start the song up where the lyrics come in and you could like we'll we'll try and decipher what the heck he's talking about So the the, the the verses of the song deal with two characters, right? I identify two characters. You've got a he and a she. Okay? Okay. And it's describing the actions of these two people. Okay. I, I I don't I don't know what they're doing. I don't know why they're doing those things. But the first verse says, he seems alone and silent, thoughts remain without an answer. Afraid and uninvited, he slowly drifts away. That's he. So you want to hear something? Yeah. In my mind,
1: I was just being... Like, when you said, I identified two characters. And I was like, are there? Because I couldn't remember. And you're like, there's a he and there's a she. And I was being willful in my mind. It was like, I mean, they could just be gender fluid. And maybe then reading the lyrics, reading the lyrics, uh, afraid and uninvited, he slowly drifts away. Mm. Moved by fear. I was so... I'm sitting here like, oh, wait. Oh, wait. (laughs) Wait. Uh, this was made in 1990 something though, so yeah, probably not. But guess how I'm going to be doing this? I, I, I'm doing I, a clear like, reading of this. I, mess. I like
2: it.
0: <laughs> so we'll, we'll get into the the chorus in a second. But like for me, I'll play. I'll play the the straight man. I'll be like, I'll look. Try to look at this song at face value. Okay. Um,
1: Are your socks on?
0: <laughs> <laughs> afraid and uh, uh, he remains alone and silent. To me, I can't not he- think of of John Mayung, the man, mm. when I read that lyric, because he is also a silent man and likes to keep to himself. Okay? Right. So perhaps this is him. He's, he's This is a self-insert.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Your name here.
0: <laughs> uh, a, a lo- afraid and uninvited, he slowly drips away. Like, I don't know if it's like he's trying to get away from the world or um, escape the people around him. Just like, you know, just get away. Right? I don't know. But... <laughs> Then we get the chorus and we're introduced to the she character. One, I, I hate, I hate the vocal, like the the vocal melody of that chorus, like lifting shadows off a dream. I don't know, it just it, it's corny. It
1: Feels a little Disney movie. It does.
0: It's a little corny. <laughs> but the she character, she can turn a drop of water into an ocean. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. She cries. <laughs> Here's the story of a girl. That's
1: really what I want. <laughs> That's what I thought. Drop of water and drown the whole world. <laughs> not how that lyric goes. But she looks so sad and lonely.
0: Yeah, I, I I thought the same thing. And I'm like, what are you what are you talking about? Who is she? And what is what? any any, any lyrics or any anything out of the queer reading on that?
1: Uh, yeah. So he seems alone and silent. Thoughts remain without an answer. Uh, I think it's interesting that it says seems and not is. Mm. Hold on to that. Uh. Thoughts remains without an answer. We'll come back to that. Afraid, like we talked about, afraid and uninvited, he slowly totally drifts away, moved by desire and fear. Queer reading, you can even be moved into still- stillness by fear and desire, right? Like that is a movement. The lack of Bro- uh, breaking delicate wings. Mm. I like. I'm not giving. I'm literally not giving any definition to what I'm saying, but just that, that has is a queer a, reading, that,
0: quite an interesting perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a, it's a. Very so, it's a potent framework you've created, right? right?
1: So, <laughs> breaking delicate reigns, this like very thin facsimile that you've built over yourself, and then lifting shadows like both of these things that are like,
0: mm, you know, yeah, and like then, lifting the veil like, he, this, yeah. this that's a common uh image in, in John Mayan's lyrics like mm-hmm. lifting the veil, like seeing clearly, right? Like seeing the truth, yeah. right? Like discovering yourself, realizing who you like, who you right. are, who you need to be, self, whatever, self discovery.
1: And that, like, in tandem with, like, basically the you know, lifting shadows off of dreams once broken. The idea that, like, when you're younger, uh, like, gender matters very little, like, when you're playing with people, but then, like, you get to a certain age, and then it's like, no, boys don't do that. No, girls don't do that. And, like, there was a time where I was like, I wanted to wear my sister's dress and spin around in it. Mm. Or I wanted to play with the... I wanted to play, like, have a tea party. I love sitting there drinking stuff. Or how come she gets to paint her nails? Like, I want my nails to... I like glitter, you know? Or flip, well, we're in a he right now. So, like, unless the he is what's hidden behind the she. Ooh, what if, like, she wanted to, like, do stereotypical things, uh, male things, and... Um, he seems alone and silent in her mind, right? Thoughts remain within without an answer. And so this could be read either way, like that the she is, she can turn a drop of water into an ocean because that one tear is like hiding all of these different things, right? And then as the rain is pouring down, tears of sorrow wash his mind because the she is crying.
0: I'm just saying, queer yeah. reading. I, I, I could totally see that. <laughs> Uh, the 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 end of the song though, like the last couple verses, um, like I I, I want to explore that a little bit more. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like he repeats that phrase a few times, right? And mm-hmm. she listens openly, mm-hmm. right? It's it's a di- Like to me, I'm like, not to discredit your reading here, mm-hmm. but it's like to me that's a conversation between a man and a woman, right? Mm-hmm. This man, whoever he is, is speaking to the woman, and she's listening to him, and that's noteworthy.
1: <laughs>
0: Rude. <laughs> I was like, for him, it's just like, oh man, this girl's listening to what I have to say. That's a good thing. <laughs> That is, that is true. Like, all I can say is, that's noteworthy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. I, I don't feel discredited at all, because I can still read what we were talking about in Do here. it. Like, um, again, right? So at the first, I was saying, like, it was maybe uh, a man who felt more like a woman. But then I was like, oh, but actually it could be a woman who the he is hiding in her. And here, right, she turned um, the she if, like, she identifies more as he. She listens openly, and he pours his soul into the water, which is her tears, to come mm. out. Reflecting the mystery, she carries him away.
0: She carries him away. So he's always going to be there inside, but, like, you know, they're complete because...
1: Yeah, because they she can, they can be whoever they, they want. <laughs> All right. And that is my queer reading. Thank you, Dream Theater. I don't care if that's not what it meant.
0: No, no, no. I appreciate it a lot. <laughs> So uh, John Myung said the song. He, he did reveal what to him the song was about. Mm-hmm. And again, art is subjective. Yeah, it can be what you want as long as you make a compelling case. Just just did that. That's right. Uh, according to Myung, the song is about quote the duality between a man and a woman and how they complement each other.
1: So I, what I said was correct.
0: <laughs> in, in, in a way, yes. <laughs> within one's mind, yes. <laughs> yeah. With it, within one's self, finding complement like you. I don't know, completeness. Yes. I feel like that 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 is this song could be about that absolutely.
1: Finding the male energy and the female energy inside of you and right. acknowledging that they are both a part of you.
0: I feel like on a on a you know on a most general level this song can be about any kind of like compl- you know completion. Right? Mm-hmm. Completion within identity, right? So for me if you want to look at it from surface level the man feels empty, you know, an emptiness or, like, an incompleteness, right? He's alone and, and silent, disquieted or whatever. Right. Afraid. Right. And then he finds her who listens openly <laughs> and accepts him for who he is or uh, she, he's able to bear his soul to her or whatever and they complete each other. Yeah. It's a love song in a
1: it's way. It's a love song. And for me, it's a love song for yourself.
0: You know, this actually, like, this could be Dream Theater's first love song. I'm like, like really racking my brain here. I can't think of any like real love songs until this one because this one can be read as a as a love song. It's yeah. kind of a weird one, you know. It's it's more ambiguous, but this could be a love song.
1: This could be a romantic. Yeah.
0: So yeah, I, I, this is the this might be the first Dream Theater song. Uh, report back. I'll let you know. I'll report <laughs> back and tell you if there's another there was another love song before this one. But. Via Twitter. <laughs> yeah. This might be the first Dream Theater love song. Thoughts, overall thoughts on <laughs> lifting shadows off a dream?
1: Um, I think that it has a lot to say, even more than what the author intended in his poem.
0: Fair enough. As, as like, that's the thing, like, I don't think it's a very strong song. And that might most, that might just be with the way the strong, the song is structured mm. musically, right? The words aren't bad. And that's why I'm like, as a piece of poetry, um, I think it, it, it is strong. It's compelling and has a like. There's a lot to dig into, so I'm like not gonna completely crap on right the poetry, but the music is just kind of like meh. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's
2: fine.
0: Um, this song does have an interesting legacy. Do you want the good good news or the bad news? Bad first? news first, right. always. Uh, Portnoy, Mike Portnoy, the drummer, has claimed that Young's lyrics usually needed some work by the rest of the band to fit a song, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, As a result, the band eventually imposed an unwritten lyric rule that required lyrics must be, quote, properly formed, phrased, constructed, etc. to go with the melodies. And, quote, since then, John has kind of backed off. Aww. So that that lyric rule killed John Mayung's lyrical contributions for (laughs) almost 20 years. Oh,
1: no. But it's hard when you gotta make something out of almost nothing, John. (laughs)
0: Yeah, so, Yeah. Uh, he, he will make more lyrical contributions for the next few albums. But after that, like he just gave up for like 10 years or something like Mm. 10, 15 years, just like, nope, no lyrics for me, I guess. What's the good news? Uh, the good news is lifting shadows off a dream, uh, was the basis for the title of dream theaters, official biography book lifting shadows.
1: Cool. Yeah.
0: As well as the album of the same name that came out with the book. Um, though, (laughs) though this song ironically does not appear on that album.
1: Huh? Do you own that book? I don't. All right, kids, his birthday's coming up. Our P.O. Box number is three.
0: <laughs> Just three. <laughs> uh, but that is Lifting Shadows Off a Dream. And we finish it off with my favorite song off this album. And on some days, is my favorite Dream Theater song.
1: Oh, okay. Is That's, that today? T-
0: t- today it is. <laughs> of the four songs we're going to talk about today, is my favorite Dream Theater song. And that song is called Space Divest. Obviously, the piano is very prominent. This right, sounds like Soul Eater. It's it's such a freaking good piano riff too. Like, or this piano, I love it. it it's like it should be like considered like one of the best piano melodies of all time. Like, <laughs> in my opinion, I don't know. Uh, th- this song was written by keyboardist pianist Kevin Moore, uh, who brought the entire piece to the studio already completed.
1: All right, Kevin.
0: Yeah, uh, he even performed lead vocals on the demo, and then would perform co-lead on the final track unbeknownst of the singer James Labrie (laughs) James Labrie said he told a story that he he listened to the the, he was listening to the final mix and he could hear he's like what's up with my voice there what did you do to my voice oh no you're singing along with Kevin and they're (laughs) like oh so when the lyrics pop in here we will I will show you what I mean You can kind of hear, you Mm -hmm. you hear like, you hear James Labrie like kind of up front, but you can hear like Kevin Moore kind of whispering in the background. Mm. Yeah. So like, this is very much a Kevin Moore song, right? Dream theater in name only. (laughs) This is Kevin Moore song. Um, so before we get into the, uh, yeah, before I have anything else to say, what were your thoughts on Space Divest? Musically, lyrically, anything.
1: It's a stupid title. Why? Because it is. Uh, and I only highlighted two portions. The very end and then just we just heard, Love is an act of blood and I'm bleeding, a pool in the shape of a heart. It was excellent. I have nothing else to say. <laughs> it's no, just excellent. No
0: interpretations of what that means or anything?
1: No, it's just beautiful it's like just a beautiful
0: little couplet right there so space divest like why is it bad because it's dumb do you I know, don't understand you don't know what it means no
1: it makes me think of marty McFly.
0: so i i think a space divest is a as a type of vest it's like a just a dark vest like a suit like first su- why i will tell you why Here's the, here's the background. Here's the I don't even m- have to hear it. Dumb. <laughs> here's the background of the song. Don't say it's dumb. I actually dumb. identify with this song a lot. Um, Kevin Moore. This is a long quote, so bear with me. I was looking through a clothing catalog and saw a picture of a girl modeling this piece of clothing called a space dye vest. And so I fell in love with her. Laughs. <laughs> For some strange reason. And so the minute I did that, the minute I was just, like, obsessed with this person, I was like, why am I doing that? And I noticed that I was doing a it a lot lately and I think the prime reason that I was doing that and this is what I figured out at the time was that I had just come out of a relationship where I'd gotten dumped basically and so I was uh, so I think the situation was that I wasn't finished giving all that I wasn't finished giving all that I was ready to give so I was just like throwing it around you know just aiming it in different directions I it was a total case of projection and this song is just trying to Sorted out and just kind of admitting that I'm just kind of lost. So it's kind of a dark song. It was very cathartic though. So this is a, in a way, this is another love song. It is him expressing his love for a woman in a picture. He's never met this person. He, he just like sees her and it's like, why am I in love with you? Like, and uh, (laughs) other members of the band said he carried this picture of this woman around with him, like in his pocket, (laughs) like in his wallet, like, he just always had it around. Like, yeah, he just had the picture of this woman in, in, a, in, a, in a vest.
1: It's weird, bro. <laughs> and dumb. Wow. Weird and dumb. I'm looking up a space divest right now. What is it what is D- even?
0: Does mean? Dream Theater, like, own the SEO for that? Yes.
1: <laughs> There's literally just lyric sheets and the album cover for Awake. This might be a space divest.
0: But anyway, like... Removing the, like, obsessiveness with this, like, glamour model or whatever, right? I understand what he's saying, okay? I've been in a relationship, like, I've been, I've come out of a relationship feeling that same, like, angst, right? It's like, I just come out of a relationship where it was, like, so I still have, like, romantic feelings or, like, I have that, whatever that essence is of, like, love, right? It's like, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: whatever that expression is, I have it. But I have no one to give it to. There's like no recipient for it, so it's just kind of like I'm listless, I'm lost, and I just like, you know, it's like I have no conduit for all of this energy. That's weird, bro. It's it, it's not. <laughs> it's easy to say, like the man, the man is sexually frustrated. No, it's more. I feel like it's more than that. Like on an emotional level, it's like mm-hmm. I'm frustrated because like I have no outlet <laughs> for these emotions. Yes, men are weird. Men are weird that that I will not uh, argue with. But I I'm just saying, I identify with this Th- there's validity in what he's saying. Okay. Oh. Uh, anyway, before we get into more <laughs> lyrics because you are you're, you're kind of harsh to my mellow here.
1: No, <laughs> don't be mellow harsh. I love you and your weirdness.
0: So anyway, um This song, just like in 6 o'clock, and The Mirror have a lot of samples, right? And the Mm -hmm. the sample section of this one is actually pretty long. Yeah, it's very long. Um, So we're going to play that, and I'll tell you where some of these things come from. Because it's a weird mishmash. No, uh, mine actually have them all labeled. Oh, here we go.
2: I love you.
0: So that first one, right, and that one, that one is, that's the longest sample, and I feel like that's the one that has the most, um,
1: to do with this. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, this, so yeah, this sample comes from the 1985 film, A Room with a View.
1: And Julian Sp- Sands is the one speaking.
0: There you go. Um, I feel like. It could either be, like, I feel like all that whole, like, monologue about, like, oh, he, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't understand what love is. Like, he just views this love as, like, superficial, right? Like, you he, he, just, like, a thing to, to have, right? Right. Like, to hold. I feel like he is describing the type of love that Kevin is currently identifying himself. Because mm. he's just like, what is this thing I'm feeling? Because it's like, it has no basis in true, like, emotion, right? Mm-hmm. Or, like... He's like, I have no real love for this this woman in this picture, but like, I can't like, I what is this? So, I feel it's a weird obsession, <laughs> and if, in some ways, all of the uh, all of that monologue describes the type of love that he sees in himself for this weird picture that he has. Yeah,
1: I think taking that out uh, of consideration that it's. I like that this is what follows the line that I like, right? Le- Again, I'll read it. Love is an act of blood. I'm bleeding in a pool shaped heart. And it also says beauty projection is the, re- is beauty projected in the reflection always the worst way to start. And the sample that follows that is about this woman who's on the pedestal, this woman that's only there for a man to like up his standing to make him look better, uh, very much a, a tool, uh, for his own advancement. Mm-hmm. And, um, Julian Sands being like, but I want you to be more than that. You deserve to be more. You aren't just a tool or a thing to be used. Yep. So, uh, I think it's a very well placed.
0: It is. I also like, I can understand like someone who's in this emotionally, like, uh, uh, arrested time, right? Like mm. feeling like, I, I don't, I don't, you know, what is, what is this love? I just got out of a bad relationship. I got dumped. I'm like, you know, a little angsty, right? Right. To so hear Julian Sands do his little like monologue, like, but, but I love you, right? Mm-hmm. I'll, 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 you know, I'll, I want you to have your own thoughts and feelings, right? Like he's playing like the good guy. Right. I can understand Kevin Moore feeling resentment for that guy. He's like, well, how come I can't be more like him? <laughs> or like, how come you, this guy? You're gonna you're gonna be with him. You're gonna choose him over me, right? <laughs> like I can understand because that that happens sometimes. You, you you get in a bad relationship and then you watch movies where like this suave like romantic lead is like doing all the right things and it's like, how did that like that guy? You know,
1: like he doesn't believe any of that crap. Tell me one person in a movie that you felt that way. Go.
0: Believe it or not. Mm. Uh, when I was in college, you know, like there were moments in like my love life where I was feeling down and out. And one time I watched Aladdin and <laughs> thought to myself, like. <sighs> That's true, though. They're out here on this magic carpet ride like that guy. He, know, how come he, I-
1: he was very much a liar.
0: Yeah. And a thief. Yeah. So. He
1: stole the Grammy from uh, from Whitney.
0: <laughs> so Aladdin was my uh, Julian Sands. Yeah. <laughs> uh." And then there's a, there's another portion here where more of the um, the samples come in, and these ones are just like weird and out there. I can move out um, get,
2: get a job, get my own place, and, you know, go to the mall, and like, tell me I'm, I to stay young. Given people advice before about facing facts, about facing reality, and this is this without a doubt is his biggest challenge ever. He's going to have to face it. You're going to have to try. He's going to have to try and, and, and get some help here.
0: You know, no one can say they know how he feels.
2: when so they say that in like Houston or something. You say yes, yeah, 180 degrees, but it's a dry... In Houston, they say that. Oh, maybe not. I'm all mixed up.
0: Dry until I had the swimming pool. <laughs> I'm very curious to see if you can make sense of any of those things. But uh, those samples come from a special from Canadian television program, The Fifth Estate, Late Night with Conan O'Brien. In, a, in the in news commentary during the OJ Simpson freeway chase
2: yep
1: <laughs> I mean I guess like taking in the, the verse that preceded it right uh, now now that you're gone I'm trying to take it learning to swallow the rage found a new girl I think we can make it as long as she stays on the
0: page it's, That's... <laughs> <laughs> there's your there's your glamour model on your your yep. magazine <laughs> mm,
1: this is not how i want it to end and i'll never be open again and then it goes to like i yeah i tried like the trouble with the uh fifth estate the canadian series is basically like yeah i tried to move on tried to try to get out of here get a job my own place i just tried to do the things but i couldn't even get a job because they gave me an excuse and then the like kind of thing where it's just like the OJ, they yeah, this, like, this, is,
0: this is his powerful moment ever. This is where he needs to, like, like he needs to face it, right? That yeah, one? he's
1: on top, he's a musician, he's a, all these different things, and he's just gotta. This might be the hardest thing he has to deal with, but he just needs to deal with it because we all gotta deal with it. And, um, Conan O'Brien, I have no idea. Maybe he was sweaty, maybe was like, he was just the, hot for the girl. The, the only paper. thing I can
0: think of is like the dry heat line, right? It's like. You know, it's like maybe like there's a sexual connotation like being in dry heat like being in heat but it's called a dry, dry spell? heat. Yeah, it's like I'm in a dry spell or I'm like <laughs> I'm sexually frustrated but maybe. I can't like maybe yeah, maybe. It's a lot. The only other interpretation I have for the and I actually thought of this when I listened to it the last time was this could be like someone flipping through the channels like oh, you're and trying to d- trying to like Escape whatever they're feeling, right? Mm. Like trying to distract themselves, right? Right. And the reason I thought that is because like the O.J. Simpson stuff was like huge in '94. Like ev- it was some, it was on everybody's mind. It was like the biggest news story in '94. Right, right, right. So right. like that Bronco chase, right, where he's like running from the police in the the white Bronco, was like national news. Yeah. Right. And I see I see clips of that to this day, like parody and stuff. So I can understand him like. Flipping through the channels, like, trying to distract himself, but everything he sees on television just reminds him of his his own issues, right? Right. He sees himself in everything he watches, which is also very frustrating. Because <laughs> none of it's good. And then you mentioned it, the the end of the song, it takes the line, I'll never be open again, right? Right. And it repeats it, and it kind of, like, sh- you know shifts it around a little bit. The last few lines of this song, mm-hmm. I hyper-identify with. Right? Like the emotions presented here is what I feel, what I had felt when I was just out of a troubled relationship.
2: Mm.
0: And then he just starts repeating, "I'll never be open again. How can I ever be open again?" Right? And he just like starts screaming it because it's like, uh, you know, like the the emotions coming through there, right? The yeah, raw emotion, that but, rage she
1: was talking yeah. about a couple of.
0: But all of the way he feels that described there is like totally how I feel when I'm out of a b- bad relationship, right? When when I was on the market.
1: <laughs> yeah, you better not have been feeling that for the last five years, sir.
0: <laughs> nope. Uh, thank you. Because this is this is a hard place to be in. It's a tough it's a tough position. But there's no one to take my blame if they wanted to, right? There's no one to hear me out. I have no one to like commiserate with. I Have no one to be emotional with, or like mm. to bear my feelings with, you know. And like that sucks too. That's one of the worst parts about not being in a relationship. Like you know, like I have no one to be close to, right? Um, Honey,
1: do you have friends, Beep. <laughs>
0: Hey, when you're, when you're a lonely, like single dude, like late, late teens, early twenties, like sometimes, Hey, hey, here's the thing, go into college and all your friends move away. It's kind of hard to have close friendships at that point in time.
1: Okay. (laughs) I'll be your friend.
0: You'll be my friend. Thank you. But then, um, there's nowhere to set my aim. So I'm everywhere. There's that on we coming back. Right. yeah
1: That's also a really good line.
0: I love that. And then I'll never be open again. Like. Getting out of a bad relationship, it's very easy to fall into like, well, you know what? I I was so vulnerable with this person, and they broke my heart. I'll never, you know, that it'll never happen to me again. I will like, you know, have a hard heart, and I'll never be open again. Mm. Which I, I I had felt that way before. Yeah, right? it's like, th- yeah, it's like I, I don't want to be hurt again, so I'll just close shut myself off. Right? I'll, I'll <laughs> I, I didn't like. I'll fall in love with this picture, and that will be my. <laughs> I didn't quite do that, but the, you know, the the, the foundational emotions at play here are the same. Yeah. something that I've felt before. So I totally identify with the song, and listening to this song reminds me of like some of my more depressed days.
1: <laughs> I could see that. Yeah, I think like even in that, I, I wrote, uh, I noted just the last uh, stanza, of the last two couplets as sad but relatable and i'll smile and i'll learn to pretend and i'll never be open again and i'll have no more dreams to defend and i'll never be open again same
0: same thing same thing like i i f- could feel myself singing those same words in some of those dark times mm. yeah
1: yeah i agree
0: and that's why it's one of my favorite dream theater songs
1: oh that's nice cuz it likes to remind
0: you of the good times of high school in college. Sometimes, sometimes it's good to be sad. It's Remember why you were sad so you can realize why you're not sad anymore.
1: That's very true. This <laughs> is why I listen to sad music and watch sad TV shows. Not stressful
0: ones. But that is Space Divest. Still a dumb title. <laughs> um, this song, for reasons uh. I'll explain in a second, wasn't performed live by the band in its entirety until 2014, 20 years after its release.
1: Probably because they couldn't get copyright for those uh, many, many clips. Oh, that that
0: might have been an issue, too. Yeah, all those, all those clips. But no, that is not the reason. So before I get into that, what are your thoughts on Awake, the album? It wasn't bad. I agree. It, I it mean, I would
1: have fired half the band, uh, starting, <laughs> with, starting with that orchest-
0: orc- orchestra, that organ. organ player. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he beat you to it. <gasps> oh, no. He took <laughs> Poor Kevin Moore took... Took so Howard Stern's advice, and he fired himself. <laughs> I'll get into that in a second. I, I uh, mean, he
1: was—he also wrote the song about wanting to not—not not be here. Not so. go to work.
0: Yeah, <laughs> he didn't go to work. <laughs> um, so uh, I will say, like, "Awakes," good. It's—it's it's a good album. Um, a lot of people love it. Like, for a lot of Dream Theater fans, it's like top tier, and I, I won't take that away from them. Like, I can understand why it, it is that way, but for me, it's just not that way. There's a lot of filler tracks. There's a lot of uh, lifting shadows off a of dream in there. <laughs> like, that was the best song. There are other songs like John, th- John Meung, That was the best song. <laughs> um, the the even like the more like ambitious epic songs aren't that exceptional. You know, um, there there's like a three parter movement about um, like mental illness and stuff, which is interesting, but also like, eh, mm. it's fine. Um yeah, I, I I would you recommend it? The album? Yeah. Sure. I I'd recommend it to like half-heartedly. Like I'm like if if you like if you've liked the Dream Theater songs we've talked about since now, there's no reason why you shouldn't seek it out. Yeah. You'll probably like it.
1: Yeah. Let us know if you actually listen to any of these albums after. Yeah, I mean, I know when my mom listened to some of these things, she's like, I'm going to now go listen to Michael Jackson. But let us know if you, like, legit will go and listen to these albums after. Yeah, let us know if
0: you've, like, discover like, if we've helped you discover new music that you enjoy. Yeah. All right, so how did uh, Awake do? Like, how was it received? Awake peaked at number 32 on the U.S. Billboard 200, the highest position of a Dream Theater album on that chart until 2007. So... This was also kind of their greatest hit as far as album (laughs) go for for a long, long long time. However, the band's record label still considered the album a commercial failure, Uh, prompting them to increase pressure on the band to make songs on their next album more commercial and more radio friendly. But that's a story for a different day.
1: Oh, no. Uh,
0: Though it is now highly regarded among Dream Theater fans and modern reviewers, Awake only received mixed reception from music critics at the time of its release. Probably a lot of that—the same uh, energy as Mr. Stern.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: <laughs> Guitar World ranked the album as one of the top ten releases of the year, stating that, "quote This shred party left me punch drunk, and for the f- for once in my life, fully awake." Hashtag dad jokes. <laughs> wow, this
1: shred party.
0: Could
1: oh, h- you say it again with a voice and then put, like, some meow meow music on it? This
0: shred party. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas Metal Hammer dismissed Awake as, quote, musical masturbation, saying, quote, progressive rock is basically a very adolescent notion of what grown-up music might sound like. More notes, longer solos, and best worst of all, convoluted concepts. So, yeah, like, I feel like... Mm-hmm. The market didn't really want progressive metal at the time. Yeah. But that's what Dream Theater wanted to make. And And they they stuck to their guns. Good job. Uh, Yeah, like. Make art that pleases you. Right. Don't, 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 don't pay pay no mind to the haters.
1: (laughs) Yeah. If you're going to have a legacy to look back on, at least it would be a legacy that you enjoy, whether it was a big one or not.
0: Right. And in 2005, Awake was ranked number 390 on Rock Hard magazine's Book of the 500 Greatest Rock and Metal Albums of All Time. So, nice made the cut there. And where did Dream Theater go from here? To well, Hollywood, huh? To Hollywood. No, <laughs> no. Well, towards the end of the recording sessions, keyboardist Kevin Moore announced to his bandmates that he was leaving the band.
1: Kevin, no. Kevin from work, no.
0: Hearing these songs, it didn't come out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. It was a long time coming. According to Dream Theater's co-manager, Jim Petulski, after the album was recorded, Moore, quote, returned to New York, sold his belongings, packed everything into his station wagon, and said, I'm moving away from Long Island. So I asked him where he was going, and he said, I'll let you know when I get there. He really had no idea what he was doing, and he just started driving across the country.
1: Well, that's nice.
0: I was like, that's... If you want to just start over, I I, I don't begrudge that. I'm like...
1: I mean, a station wagon. Get a slightly bigger car. If
0: you can support yourself, like, and you have, no, like, no attachments or whatever, you just need to, like, start over, you know, like, a recharge, like, I, I, I can that understand. That van life. He's got to do it, I guess, you know. That no-man land life. <laughs> <laughs> Moore has, Moore has simply stated that he decided to leave because his approach to mu- writing music had changed, and that he would become more interested in writing and recording his own material.
1: Oh, did he put an album out?
0: Yes. To that end. After leaving Dream Theater, Kevin Moore launched an electronica solo project called Chroma Key in 1998. He formed a new progressive rock band called OSI with Fates Warning guitarist Jim Matheos in 2002. He produced a bi-weekly activist radio program for Radio for Peace International in Costa Rica. And he has composed a few film soundtracks. So yes, he is very much writing his own material. Good job, Kev. Do your thing, Kevin. We support you.
1: We support you, just not financially, because it's been a hard year.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, according to Dream Theaters, J- and according to Dream Theaters, James Labrie, Moore, and his former bandmates are still friends. So nice, yay! That's good to hear.
1: Keep it in the family. Yeah.
0: yeah. And so, with Moore departing from the band, Dream Theater scrambled to find a replacement before the start of their 1994-1995 world tour. But, ladies and gentlemen, that is a story for a different day. <laughs> that is Dream Theaters Awake. Hey, we made it. Uh, so we are going to close out this segment with uh, the end of Space Divest uh, when when uh, the, the emotions are high and the music is strong. All right. Uh, but And uh, we will see you on the other side with Justice Album of 1994.
1: I'll be eating ramen. Deal with that, kids.
2: will be right Телеканал A1, радио 95.2 FM и Riff Entertainment представляет группа Dream Theater. Это совершенство звука и торжество музыки. 10 июня, концертный зал Россия в Лужниках, 19:00. Заказ билетов 644222.
0: Welcome back. (laughs) I've just upset my wife. (laughs) Why are you upset?
1: We talked about how we weren't going to do this song.
0: (laughs) We're not doing this
1: song. How dare you? (laughs) How dare you cold open me with no... (laughs) Kids, let's talk about toxic relationships. (laughs) And the one that I'm in currently. No. Mm.
0: (laughs) So, (laughs) we're coming in with the song, Age Ain't Nothing But a Number, Uh, Because that is the name of the album that we're going to be talking about today. It's apropos, you see. Released May 24th, 1994, the debut album of this beloved R&B icon. That is Age Ain't Nothing But a Number by Aaliyah. It's Aaliyah. You like Aaliyah. I turned the song off for you. I wouldn't know
1: because I'm not going to hear any music for the rest of the thing because I turned my mic, my earphones off so that I don't have to deal with you and your nonsense.
0: (laughs) I, I, the song's over.
1: Don't care. You could be wrong. You've already <laughs> deceived me. How could I ever forgive... You? What are those
0: lyrics? Mo, hold on. I, I can never be open again. Not those ones. How can the heck could you possibly forgive yes,
1: me? Yes, and I won't.
0: <laughs> After all of the Aliyah I've put you through. I'm not dealing with you,
1: sir. All right, you so- can go find your own space die woman because this woman's <laughs> done with you.
0: Tell us... Tell us about Aaliyah. You, why why is Aaliyah your album?
1: Because there was no other options. <laughs> because there was no other options. But what is your history with
0: Aaliyah? Because y- you you knew more about Aaliyah than I did.
1: I mean, I know Aaliyah's later stuff more than this at all. So it's it was because there were no other options. <laughs> that's the it's like real one
0: or two songs from this album. Yeah, that's it. But tell us about your history with Aaliyah then. Well, you know,
1: Cry Baby. That's not the name of that song. There's just a crybaby song in it. Uh, just history with Aaliyah. Like late '90s, she had some good little pops on. Not some good songs on. She was in Queen of the Dam. She was in Romeo Must Die. She was in a lot of stuff. She did a lot of things. Aaliyah.
0: She was hard to escape.
1: She was hard to escape.
0: I uh, I have a funny story about my history with Aaliyah because I had I d- I did not recognize the name Aaliyah when you told me, oh, we're gonna listen to Aaliyah. Mm-hmm. And so. We went to a party at your aunt's house um, and you were talking to your sisters and uh, your cousins or whoever about, you know, us listening to an Aaliyah album. You say to your family, he's never heard of Aaliyah. And they all looked at me with like indignation. (laughs) Like, what? 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 Now, I've since gone. uh, I've gone back and made sure I have heard at the very least um, try again. Right. Is that what it is? Breathe again? No, not breathe again. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, a. Uh, if at first you don't succeed. That yes. one. I've heard that song. If I didn't... Brush you yourself off and try again. I did not know that was Aaliyah, but I have, I had heard of Aaliyah before doing this show. So.
1: <laughs> I wish we were talking about that album. That was the better. Album. I think
0: that song came from Romeo Almost Die. I looked it up. It's not even on an album.
1: Okay. Well, that era of Aaliyah. That
0: era. Um, but yeah, uh, this album was quite the journey. <laughs> I, it, it was. We're gonna we're gonna talk about what it was like listening to this album the first time together.
1: This is gonna be a short segment, guys. I <laughs> hope you really enjoyed the Dream Theater. I wonder if you're like, why is the last bit only fifteen minutes? Because I don't want to be here.
0: <laughs> it's gonna be fun. We're gonna have some fun.
1: You're gonna have some fun.
0: Let me t- let, let, Let's talk about. Let's talk about Young Aaliyah. I'll tell you where she came from. <laughs> okay. Okay. You, 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 we'll, we'll learn something. We'll have some fun. Aaliyah Dana Houghton. Was born January 16th, 1979 in Brooklyn, New York, but grew up in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, She was enrolled in voice lessons at an early age and started performing in church choirs, at weddings, and at charity events at that time.
1: As is the way all
0: young black women get into music. In the first grade, she was also cast in a stage production of Annie, which she said inspired her to become a performer. Ah, She was black Annie.
1: She was the first black Annie. (laughs)
0: Um, thanks to her uncle, Barry Hankerson, who was an entertainment lawyer who had been married to Gladys Knight,
2: huh.
0: uh, Aaliyah performed alongside Knight in concert and began auditioning for commercial and uh, television roles in New York. Cool. Yeah, so she 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 performed with Knight at like 10 years old. Nice. It's like, good to know people. Doing like uh, like duets and stuff. Most notably... Like, as far as her, like, acting and, like, television career goes, she appeared on the show Star Search at age 10.
1: Oh, yeah. I remember that show.
0: I never watched Star Search.
1: No, me neither. But I know of it.
0: <laughs> is, is it like a... Uh... It's American Idol for small children. Got it. <laughs> for babies. <laughs> um, by this point, she had dropped her surname at the suggestion of her mother. So, she, professionally, she was just Aaliyah. Ah. Uh, Which, I'm like, sometimes you just gotta do. Yeah. It's like Prince.
1: Yeah. Also, if I had a child performing, I definitely wouldn't want their full name being the thing that was all over the place. This was pre-internet, but I'm just saying.
0: Yeah. It just like it has a I, I don't know, it just has more of a like a like, like a star quality to it. Just just Aaliyah. Mm. Um, after several unsuccessful efforts to sign the singer to a major label, Hankerson signed Aaliyah to his own Blackground Records after he signed a distribution deal with Jive Records. So basically, they created a record label. Just for Aaliyah.
1: Okay. It's good to know people.
0: She was 12 years old at the time.
1: It's good to know people. Strings, attachments. <laughs> what is the word? Nepotism. Connections. Nepotism
0: is the word. <laughs> or Le- like
1: niece-tism.
0: Nepot-i- instead of
1: nephew because.
0: N- was... Nephew-tism would have been better. But
1: she's not his nephew.
0: <laughs> Female nephew <nef-tism. laughs> Aaliyah entered the studio in 1993 at age 14, and her first album was recorded within nine months.
1: What was the name of that album?
0: AJ nothing Man A Number. <laughs> um, she would record in Chicago during the summer while she was off from school for summer vacation. It was very much a extracurricular thing. Yeah, I was just like, I'm just like, that's crazy. Like, that's oh, it's a you, lot of work. What did you do over the summer? I recorded an album. <laughs> <laughs> like, cool. <laughs> that's and that's the production of. Thank you for keeping that short. You're welcome. So, again, I want to I want to lay this segment out as if we were all listening to this album for the first time and I'll like narrate what it was like to listen to this album as it as it went along. Right. So, the song the, the album opens with a song just called Intro because that was a thing that yeah, like a lot of hip hop and R&B albums did at the time, like they would always have like corny intros. <laughs> You know, to kind of like lay the groundwork. And this one's fun. I like this one.
1: Yeah, I like it.
0: Yeah, so it's a minute 30. <clears throat> Are we going to play the whole thing? We don't have to. Uh, we'll, we'll play a little bit of the intro.
1: And we'll decide what we'll cut in editing. Yes.
2: <laughs> Listen to instructions carefully While bumping this album in, in your, your jeep, jeep. Volume. The what? Oh, the volume. Yeah. See,
0: the volume. 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 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's more or less the intro. There's a little bit, little bit more in there, but like, it's instructions for the album, which is a bit of fun. Yeah. And uh, to me, it kind of like it retains that like youthful energy because this is a fourteen year old fourteen year old girl. Writing her album, you know, so it's, like, it has a, like, childlike whimsy to it. Yeah. I I don't know. It's just, like... It's got spunk. It's got spunk. Panaz. It's got, like, it's like a breath of fresh air almost, right? Like, like it says Aaliyah's got that 90s... Swing. Swing. Uh, I, I feel like that is there to establish that, hey, this is a new sound for the 90s, for the kids... Enjoy it. Kids' Choice Awards. <laughs> this song, should. this would have been a Kids' Choice Awards type album.
2: <laughs> uh, okay. At
0: least the, the first few songs were, would have. All right. All about youthful energy and having fun. Mm. Riding around in your Jeep. Did, did was, was She that couldn't a, drive. She was 14 and lived in New York. Did, <laughs> were like Jeeps big in the
1: 90s? I wanted a Jeep. My mom said I couldn't have one because they flipped over too easily. My...
0: My best friend in high school, he had a Jeep and it was like a like Jeep with like no like canvas over it or whatever. Like Which it makes, was just open. That makes no sense in California. So it was like super hot. Yeah. <laughs> the air conditioner didn't work. It was just like, you know, so we would like, he would like drive us off road, like in the housing developments near a house, like where there was like no shade, <laughs> no shade. Yeah. But also no, um. It was like off-roading. There weren't any. It was like unpaved streets and right, stuff right, like that. Right. So we would like go off like, <laughs> like jumps and stuff. And like then ah, oh, this a
1: uh, Humvee.
0: Oh my, a girl I dated also had a Jeep. And we did the same thing in that too. I hung out with weird people.
1: Ah, uh, you grew up in a suburb.
0: <laughs> I did. I did. We, our our fun was to go out in the Jeep and go off-roading in the housing developments.
1: Oh. Sounds like privilege yep. to me.
0: All of all of the housing developments that we went off-road are now fully built houses now.
1: They are now developed.
0: <laughs> they are developed, yeah. Anything you want to talk about with intro? Like I, I just think it's a fun thing.
1: No, I like the harmonies. I think it's the best song on the album. Um, <laughs> Why? And it's... Because it's short. It's great. I love it. And uh, yes.
0: <laughs> she insisted. We need to talk about intro because it's... The sh- best song on the album. <laughs> there you go. But it, it, I think it is fun, and I like when people make the most of the album format. It's like, why not have an intro to your album? Yeah. And, and give like tongue-in-cheek instructions. Yeah. So, I appreciate it. Let's move into the next song. Okay. <laughs> the next song is called Back and Forth. Mm-hmm. It's like the single from the album. Yeah. It's track number two?
1: I think so. No, three. I think it's three.
2: Let me see you go back.
0: so i remember we we were playing when so we're, we're listening to this album the intro's fun the first two or three so- real songs like this is the second real song on the mm-hmm. album it's track three we were like bumping we were having fun We're like yeah we like this a lot the sound is like it's, it's yeah. got the great 90s new jack swing sound mm. we were having a lot of fun yeah um anything you want to say about back and forth
1: uh, I got a jazz personality, G mentality, and beats from Soul Train. <laughs>
0: it, it's it's a song about dancing, going it, out and having fun at the dance club on a Friday night.
1: Yeah, and the dance is just back and forth. That's what it is. It's a me- really mellow, like easy thing. I like the line I just said is a line in it, but I was just I was like trying to do de- like honestly, like I said, so little to say about most of these songs um but I was just like ah that's fun like because she's so young she's trying to um she's painting a way that she wants she's she wants to be perceived right yeah. so it's uh oh it's the she spells her name without the A's. <laughs> uh it's the Leah ripping up the stage I got jazz personality g mentality beats from soul train don't stop moving
2: mentality
1: Yeah, like saying like I'm I, I don't know what, how would you describe a jazz personality?
0: Jazz, per, I, I feel like sophisticated. Okay, you know, and, and like creative. Yeah, right. Okay,
1: I, uh, and probably a little bit more like fluid because I think yeah, jazz can do a lot of improvisation. And then G mentality,
0: gangster. Yep she, uh, she grew up she grew up on the hard streets of Detroit.
1: Yeah, did I say she was from New York?
0: She 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 was born in Brooklyn. Got it. Grew up in Detroit, Got so it. it's like, so yeah, G mentality, I feel like that's just, you know, it, it, yeah. you gotta have that.
1: You don't gotta, but you do often have it. Uh, and then Beats from Soul Train, right? And that's just her, that's how she's getting her, her back and forth moving. because that's,
0: that's what New Jack Swing was, though. It was like a mix of all of the, it, it's like a mix of the old and the new, mm-hmm. right? Like, this is classic R&B, like the stuff you'd hear on, like, classic Soul Train. But Soul Train, Soul Train ran the whole time, right? Did Soul Train leave and come back, or did it run the whole time? I don't know. I never watched music shows. But, like, Soul Train was very much a 70s thing. Was it? Like, like a 70s, early 80s thing, I believe. I believe you. If I'm wrong, come at me. I apologize. I
1: will will look it up later, and if you're wrong, I will tackle you.
0: But, like, yeah, so Soul Train, um, when she's saying I got the beats from Soul Train, but also the G mentality, it's like, hey, I'm taking the old school, like, old school R&B, like, the classic R&B, and I'm fusing it in with the new gangster rap type mentality
1: right is gangster
0: rap a thing at yes. this point? Is yes is it no yes. longer underground yes <laughs> yes uh, very much so i believe uh freaking ice cube beat whitney at the oh, box yeah. office in the night in like 92 or whatever that's true the box office at the <laughs> in the billboards both of them <laughs> yeah so yeah gangster rap was very much in the mainstream right now hip-hop, okay. yeah hip-hop uh but yeah like the new jack swing is very much like hip-hop mixed with r Yeah. And that, that's, that's she, I said like she's establishing herself in that line, right? Yeah. I'm Aaliyah, here's what I stand for, here's the music I'm making. Yeah. And I appreciate it. So, um, I got a quote, like, I was, Aaliyah actually explained what this song was about in an interview once. She said, quote, it's not a song about love or whatever, it's about going to a party and having fun. I have songs about love, crushes or whatever, but the song is about dancing. This, this album is about teens and what they go through. So that's what she said the album was about, right? These mm-hmm. are – this is – a in her words, this is an album or a song that is supposed to represent what teenagers were like in the 90s, early right. 90s. So for them, it's like, yeah, we're going out on a Friday night, having fun with the girls at a dance party. Yeah. And that's all it is. Like, that's why I liked this song and the song that came before it. Like, what was it? Like, Put Your Hands Up or whatever? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Throw Your Hands Up. Both of those songs were so much fun because that's exactly what they were meant to be. Yeah, the these vibe are, was there. These are fun songs about having fun, right? This is like this is Rebecca Back Friday.
1: <laughs> Rebecca Back Friday.
0: Rebecca Black's Friday of the 90s. Yeah. But, you know, better. <laughs> <laughs> there's even there's a cheesy rap in this song, too, but I don't want to play it.
1: <laughs> yeah. It feels... It's very much the... the I'm 14 and I, I've got... A uh, record deal and I want to hear these songs when I'm chilling with my friends.
0: No no cares in the world. Yeah. It's a very pure thing. Very very much like a no care, no, you know, carefree. Yeah. That's why I like it, but it's also super disposable and not very deep. Yes. <laughs> Which is why I have no lines. Yeah, same. <laughs> I, I just like, it's Friday. Hey, I'm ready to swing. It's pick Friday. up my girls Friday. and hit the party seat. And I was Friday. like, is there anything? <laughs> is there anything else on this song that has any meaning deeper than that? No because Friday, that's what the song's about.
1: Friday, Friday. Party
0: <laughs> and party and <partyin'>, huh. <laughs>
1: Everybody's rushing around. Wait, I think that's <laughs> a different song.
0: That is a super <laughs> fun fun thi- <laughs> The, the Friday, song might as well have the lyric fun 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 fun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Again, I say I really enjoy Rebecca Black's current music.
0: Yeah. She's she's doing I'm good. sorry
1: for all the hate you got when you were a 14-year-old putting music out. She,
0: there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, because
1: the world hates teenage girls.
0: That's true. Is, is I feel like it, it, would you consider the world safer for teenage girls like being creative now or then? Then better like so the as the, bad as it was. If then. If the internet existed, would they have like been mean to to poor Aaliyah? Yes, fair enough.
1: And not just that, commenting on her body and what she chooses to wear, and then the standards by which she would need to like. That's a lot. <laughs> it don't don't ask me that like Is it's a billy it billy
0: eilish issues right yeah. there yeah
1: then more than just that even people like girls that aren't famous that are just blah, 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 blah. yes it's worse now
0: <laughs> Co- copy that <laughs> anyway uh this was the album's debut single uh the song peaked at number five on the billboard top 100 and spent three weeks at number one on the heart r&b hip-hop songs chart
1: nice so
0: this was a hit right out the gate she had a number one hit good job
1: See, I bet all those people that didn't sign her felt some yeah, right buyer's remorse.
0: Uh, Back and forth also earned Aaliyah nominations for Best New R&B Urban Artist Clip of the Year at Billboard Music Video Awards. What does that mean, Clip of the Year? Dude, I don't know. <laughs> and Best R&B Soul New Artist at Soul Train Lady of Soul Awards.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: So Soul Train was an entity in '94. Yeah, she almo- she almost won the Lady of Soul award. <laughs>
1: Yeah, young lady of soul.
0: So again, to recap, we we, were having fun. We're listening to the first two songs and we're like, yeah, yeah, this is fun. Then we get to track number four, Mm. which is age ain't nothing but a number. OK, we hear that song and we're like, we both look at each other and we're like, because what we do is we we listen to the songs, but we also have the lyrics up so we can read along with the lyrics as well. Right. You know, just to get the whole the whole the whole feel of the song. Because sometimes
1: I can't understand what his music is saying. Right.
0: <laughs> so we're we're re- we're reading these lyrics and we're like, ew, what? Because this it was like very different from the carefree have fun songs that we were just listening to yes so we got lyrics like age ain't nothing but a number I don't mean to be bold but I gotta let you know I gotta let you know Leah's got a thing for you and I can't let go take my hand and come with me let me show you to ecstasy boy be brave don't be afraid because tonight we're gonna go all the way and I was like this is a 14 year old girl talking about how age is nothing but a number. She's obviously talking to an older man. And we both said to each other, who Who wrote wrote this for her? Who wrote this for her? Because we know that pop music is very, like you have different songwriters coming in and we're like, who's the songwriter right there. We see it. Songwriters, Robert S. Kelly. And we're like, R. Kelly. And we do a little bit of digging R. Kelly wrote all of the songs for her. All of them. All of them. All of them. And we're like, oh my gosh. And the first
1: two that we talked about, they're fine. They're fine songs. They're the- fine. <laughs> the rest are creepy. They're so very creepy. They're so... Like, even... like I don't want to because... All right. Uh, we'll probably... He'll, he'll probably get into... R. Kelly.
0: I, I have to. That's but. why it's all going to be isolated right here. So if you don't want to hear any of the R. Kelly creepiness, like the, the gritty details, skip ahead like five minutes. So at the time of Aaliyah's signing, Barry Hankerson, her uncle, was managing an up-and-coming New Jack Swing recording artist and producer named R. Kelly. Uh, because he and Jive Record wanted to limit the publishing rights of Aaliyah's debut, as it was a gamble in the first place, they decided that R. Kelly would serve as the sole credited writer and producer. Bad move. Yep. Um, This decision led to, while the recording the album, Aaliyah and R. Kelly spending a lot of time together hanging out and going to arcades and bowling. Like, they were just – they're just going on dates, okay? Mm -hmm. They're just going on dates with each other. Um, Mm -hmm. I think he was 26. She was 14. Just want to point that out. Um, According to Kelly, this would – help. according to him – all of this would help with the writing process as he would, quote, write the songs that fit her and what kids her age and her friends were talking about.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That was his rationale.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Aliyah, this is her quote. She said, we vibed off one another and that's how the songs was built. <laughs> um, he would vibe with me on what the lyrics should be. He'd tell me what to sing and I'd sing it. That's how the whole album was done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel so bad for her. While recording the album, Kelly coached her um, as they worked several hours in the studio. She often sang songs multiple times in order to achieve, quote, excellence. Aaliyah would characterize her and Kelly as perfectionists. So, they were spending a lot of time together, alone, for long periods of time. And that is that. So, uh, after the album was released, Vibe Magazine published... What they claimed was a marriage certificate listed between Aaliyah and R. Kelly, dated August thirty first, nineteen ninety four, which was just a few months after this album's released. Mm-hmm. Aaliyah, who was fifteen at the time, was listed as eighteen on the certificate.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> However, when asked about it in interviews, both denied the marriage allegations, stating that neither were married. Cool. Cool. Uh, the illi- is, is this on the record the illegal marriage was annulled in February 1995 by Aaliyah's parents good on them yeah after which she reported after which she reportedly cut off all professional and personal ties with Kelly and ceased having any contact with him cool and uh, from that point on she would like deflect uh, and like avoid any questioning any interviews de- like dealing with him at all it was just like hey what's up with our Kelly I don't want to talk about that or whatever you know she'd not even answer like Moving on. So, yeah. That's all that. And unfortunately, moving forward, you can't separate any of these songs from Mark Kelly.
1: So with all that, I I will say, right? Like as Aaliyah did not talk about it, um her parents didn't talk about it that they did say, "Oh, that's not a thing that really happened." Um I'm not saying it didn't. I'm not saying that when I look at all of these things that I can be convinced otherwise, but I'm a firm believer in, if that's the truth you're going to say, then until you say something different, that's, that's where it's going to be, right? Like Aaliyah no longer has the ability to do that as we'll find late. We'll probably talk about later, but, um, if they, if she said and her parents never came out and said anything different that they were actually never married, I do know a lot of, like, in a very real way, a lot of things, especially in this time, just Black artists were going to, like, because they were working on stuff and Black excellence was a thing that we were striving for, there was a lot of Michael Jackson rumors. There was a lot of just, Mm. I mean, we just talked about OJ, and I'm not saying he did it. I'm not saying he didn't do it. I didn't follow those things. I was a child, and I don't follow things like that even now as an adult because I just can't. But, like... There is a lot in the media that does to take down. Sure. Um, all that being said, outside of knowing all of these things, us listening to the lyrics
0: Af- found it
1: so creepy.
0: Especially after after AJ Nothing But a Number and knowing R. Kelly wrote all these songs for, her, it is almost impossible not to read into it.
1: It's absolutely impossible not yeah, to.
0: It's like. The entire album, after that point, was tainted by R. Kelly.
1: yeah, like there's
0: R Kelly wrapped in everything
1: it's it's not it's not wonderful, which is why we're gonna wrap. And it's up not, this not even like
0: it, there's not even a hiding. He's not even hiding it. like it's it's unfortunate because R. Kelly is also a huge narcissist. and like he he thinks he's a genius, right? Yeah. so, he, like, he self-inserts himself in every song. Every song. Every so, song. So, yeah, we're going to, like, I know Jess doesn't really want to camp on any of these songs too much, but mm-hmm. keep in mind, at this point forward, it was just, like, every song, it was like, R. Kelly, what are you doing? Yeah. Why are you doing this?
1: That being said, I did the best I could to choose the least R. Kelly feeling ones, which is why we started with uh, a... You,
0: you failed, by the way. Shut up.
1: <laughs> um, the least ones... These
0: were the least. I, of oh, the, if these are the least, I can't. Like that's the thing. It's like it was. It's been a while since they listened to the album in its entirety. That's unfortunate because yeah. these songs are ultra R. Kelly. Yes.
1: See, these are the least that feel
0: Less gross icky. and
1: icky. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's why I went with them, except the last one, just because. Um, but are the final one that we're gonna talk about. So this is this is the only reason. Like these, I'm not saying these songs are are great and amazing and stuff. Like, yeah, the first the first one was wonderful and a minute 30 long and the second one that we listened to like had some nice like grooving beats whatever but didn't really say much that's because I'm trying to avoid having to have go to bed after this thinking this I'm gonna I'm gonna have some vodka anyway next song (laughs) Youth Nation Youth
0: Nation Uh, Before I I failed to mention this earlier, but like I remember when we were listening to it the first time, like this was before I realized that I had heard Aaliyah songs before. Mm -hmm. Um, we were listening, especially this song for sure. So, this is the type of music my my cousin Lanisha would listen to, Mm -hmm. right? Like, so I remember like getting picked up from like daycare by her and my grandma, right? And like she was controlling the radio up front, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like this is the music that she would put on, so she probably listened to like Kiss, Kiss FM or something, right? You know, with with, like, your, your hot R&B beats, right? <laughs> and it was this music. So I always equate this type of, like, female-led, smooth R&B to her. So if, to me, this is just Lanisha music.
1: But also, like, I know we haven't really talked about it. Like, Aliyah has a beautiful voice. Like, oh, she's yeah. 14. Listen to the depth and the body of that yeah, voice. Yeah, listen to
0: this. Yeah, for sure. Like, she... It's like it's like smooth, like really smooth. Yeah, like she just like has like great control over. Yeah, her voice. she has great
1: tone. She's steady.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's a professional at age fourteen.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was on a stage with Gladys Knight at ten.
0: <laughs> True that. So, anything you want to talk about with as far as lyrics go for the song? I called my mother. <laughs> Cause I was confused you, you, at a couple of these mom things. texts. I don't have the sound effects. It
1: wasn't a mom text. It was a mom call because she doesn't respond to texts fast enough. Uh, and she was unhelpful. So there's a lyric in here. Um, there's a couple, one peeping through my side view, checking out my waxen, And I was like, I assume you're like checking out your I, wax job on th- the car. There was,
0: there was a lot of me consulting, um, urban dictionary for this song as well
1: yeah and i was just like what is it what does it mean my mom was like waxing um meaning like you look good like that you're checking you know like you're checking out something like that she's so if you're checking out you're waxing you're checking I thought out waxing how- meant
0: like um like like smitten like i'm feeling like i'm, I'm feeling like uh, i'm waxing i'm i'm like Feeling lapsy, attracted, or po- something. poetic. Yeah,
1: no, not in the okay. Ur- this sense. Or not in the urban sense. It's more, yeah. So my mom was saying, "Hey, and take this with a grain of grain of salt." Like it meant like she like how people are checking you out, like making sure that you are looking good to other people. This could be okay. incorrect. Okay. Um, the only other thing that I asked my mom, whom she was very very unhelpful, uh, later in the song it says, "The sun is blazing and I'm so lazen." And if you're a YNP. And you're rolling with the PGP. I got it.
0: I, I got that.
1: Congratulations. Okay. Tell I got me what it. You got. So I here only we go. One of those. Yeah.
0: That was that was the line. I was like, I need to write this down. I need to figure out what the heck she's talking about. So, mm-hmm. Urban Dictionary. Thank you. Here we go. And if you are a YNP, that is a young N-word prospering.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Yes, so.
1: that part I did know. <laughs> My mom did know that
0: one. And you're rolling with BGE. That is Blackground Enterprises, which is the record label that was created by Aliyah's oh, uncle.
1: What I have, it says PGP. No, B G E. Okay. Cool. My lyrics are wrong and that's why I was confused. There you go.
0: Black ground enterprises. So it's okay. very much like a you know um, a call out
1: to your the company. Yeah,
0: just like you know, Dr. Drake calling out aftermath or yeah. whatever. Yeah.
1: Lame. But yeah. yeah, that's
0: the thing. You got to rep your le- record label. That's part of the. That's part of the the, the whole hip hop experience. I
1: guess. I mean, they, I mean, if people took your chance, the chance, yeah, you want to rep your label. That you you have you
0: have to advertise yourself as much of, as the label and the other people around you. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I, I get it. That's all I have to say about the song. <laughs> I was like, there. There are also a few places where I'm just like, yeah, this is creepy. Like, mm-hmm. there's there's some creepy Arp Kelly lyrics in here, right? Like. I check my cellular. The cell phones—that's a thing that teenagers <laughs> had apparently. I don't. I, I'm like, did did teenagers carry cell phones in the no. in the 90s? Car phones <laughs> in that jeep. Be, beepers make sense. So it says I check yeah. my cell. My I check my cellular because my beepers beeping. Why would you need a cell phone and a beeper? <laughs> it was a time. Well, cell phones couldn't text message. So was, you had you had two devices. You had a text message machine. In a cell machine, Man, in a, in a I'm glad that we have machine. all of
1: that in one, plus a music.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. So my, I call. I check my cellular because my beeper's beeping. Booty calls are creeping, and I was like, "Honey, you don't know enough about bo- no booty calls. Okay, you're 14 years so. old. Can
1: Shut we up. play that portion? Because I'm like, my lyrics are different. My lyrics literally say, "Say uh, these callers are creeping, not booty calls creeping." <laughs>
0: Booty calls. She says it. Yep. Okay. My lyrics are wrong. Either way, I'm just like, no, 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 no. Don't be telling. Don't don't write lyrics for a 14 year old. Talk about booty calls. Yes. Okay, that's inappropriate.
1: Yes. <laughs> Stop it. I will say. Right. Let's be honest. There are some sexually active children. Sure.
0: Of course. Don't
1: let them sing songs. Yeah. <laughs> it was like it's 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 inappropriate. Like I'm. <sighs> like especially if you're a grown person writing it for them.
0: It's weird. Yeah. It's really weird. Yeah. I- I'm like. I don't want to. I don't want to cast any judgment on her parents or anything. But I feel like if my parents were investing in a in a record company, you know, making music for me, they would want to l- hear the lyrics first. And if they had heard it, they were like, "What are you singing about?" <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's hard.
1: Yeah, I think that that's hard. Hi, welcome to our segment where we talk about parenting as people who are not parents.
0: couple of dinks.
1: I think. That is hard. I I would like really, especially when it comes to music. I don't know, right? Like, because we're both artists, and I think there there's there's some stuff where I'm like, yeah, no, absolutely not. But like,
0: yeah, Leah wasn't gonna listen anyway. I feel like she would have pushed back. That's if, the if, thing. Yeah. That's
1: the thing, right? Because I, re- like, I think about like I think about like how is what kids sing about. We these talk things? about if we had kids, and I'd be like, man, they can't do wrestling. And you're like, well, they could if they wanted to. Professional wrestling, not actual competitive wrestling uh, collegiate wrestling uh, but and, and I'm like okay but what if they like it and if they like do it and we're like okay we're gonna support them i will not be going to your shows you get too violent you touch my kid whether it's planned out or not i'm going to be throwing hands um but if they're like out there and their gimmick is something that we do like we're like oh or they're like wearing like coochie cutters like or things like that we're like that's this is the choice that you made i don't get to say yeah um uh, but that's you're, not great. You're,
0: but also you're 14.
1: <laughs> but also you're
0: 14. <laughs> yeah. It's I'm just I don't it's know, hard. It, Especially
1: because they have been trying for years, and this maybe felt like it was the only
0: I guess. I don't know.
1: I, I don't I don't agree, you know, but I can see all of the thoughts processes of oh maybe.
0: Either way, it's weird and I don't like oh, it. Oh,
1: it's weird and I don't like it.
0: Last song And and of course our Kelly's also gotta throw some some self-insertion in there. One of the lyrics says, "R. Kelly's flipping tracks, so grab a hold and don't don't you sit, because you know you got to shout him out in your songs, right? Like, why wouldn't you?" Next, <laughs> next
1: up is the worst, not the worst song on the album, because we didn't play that. <laughs> but as insertion goes,
0: yes, as as far, I just don't want to use that word. As far as R. Kelly shameless self promotion goes, this is the song to do it. It's called Old School.
1: We're just going to play the opening. R.
2: Kelly, play me something from the old school.
0: R. Kelly, play me something from the old school. From the old school. R. Kelly! Play me something from the old school. (laughs) That's the song, right?
1: Yep, that's the song. (laughs) That's the song. There are only 14 out of this, like, 40-something, 40 or 50-line song that have nothing to do with R. Kelly.
0: It's like, so, I'm listening to this and I'm like, this... You know, up till this point, right, this is track, this is track 11, okay? This is the very end of the album, mm-hmm. okay? By this point, R. Kelly has, like, basically his voice is, like, full, like, fully apparent in all of the songs. Like, we've, we, like, slowly, he's slowly creeped in to all of the songs. And you can just see his voice everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. He's slipping his name in there. He's, he's, like, he raps. And he just, like, he can't help himself by just, like, I'm the star.
1: Cause I'm R. Kelly, and then he starts the song, and
0: then this song is just like it's all R. Kelly. Yeah, like he's completely like given up. It's just like no, no, this is just an R. Kelly song, right? Like in my featuring head, featuring Aaliyah, it, it reminds me of the um, the, the the notorious Big song. You know, Biggie, 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 can't, can't you see? see? Right, that's
1: and that's, a, that's
0: a Biggie Small Don't song with like a female backers like mm-hmm. singing about him. That's what this song sounds like. Yeah. It's it's an R. Kelly song. With Aaliyah backing him. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm like, this is not even an Aaliyah song at this point. Nope.
1: It's a song about R. Kelly playing music. And when Aaliyah does sing alone, it's about R. R. Kelly, play a music. Play me some music, R. Kelly. And then later, it's R. Kelly, play me your song. Right. Not just some music, your music.
0: Yeah. Like, I'm going to play the the part where the rap comes in. Of course, course R. Kelly's got a rap, right? Do I have to turn my some music <laughs> on to hear this. <laughs> Whatever you want to do, I
2: guess. <laughs> listen, let <me> <laughs> Yo back in the days I used to listen to records trying to figure out how I could make my own records. Working in restaurants
1: bussing on dishes hoping that the man upstairs respect my wishes. Single lit lights I wallets I was selling them till I'm at the BH and bust down a cappella to him. He said you got talent and you are going places. I heard that line before but what
2: New music with the old I
0: with song. Song. He's just rapping about himself, right? It's, it's, it's like, it's, has he, nothing to do with Aaliyah, nope. and it's like his, his journey coming up. Yep, and I'm like, R. Kelly, what? This is Aaliyah's album. If you want to write a song about you coming up, write a song for your own album. Yeah. Why are you rapping about yourself on her song? Her first album. That's why I was like, that's, this seems so selfish to me. I was like, this man can't help himself, but like only think about himself. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I was so frustrated. Um. But anyway, is that all you have to say about this? Yep. So... A few things. Oh, on, on that note, um, I have a quote from Jive Records' a and R Jeff Sledge, right? So this is the big ho- head honcho mm-hmm. at Jive Records. He said, quote, When we finally heard the album, we were blown away because this, the album was dope. It was basically listening to an R. Kelly album, but with a little girl singing. Yeah. And And this song comes off like this, this is an R. Kelly album with a little girl singing it.
1: Just that statement. I don't like
0: it. I <laughs> don't like it. So, um, just, I couldn't help. You could have. I I apologize for what I'm about to say, but I can't not hear the sexual innuendo in this song, okay? The song's called Old School, and it's about bringing the old school, having the old school meet with the new school. Do I need to leave? No. So, I can't not hear Aaliyah, you you know, the new school, and R. Kelly, the old school, okay? Mm. It's... Really, like again, I can't separate it from anything else. Like, that's what the song is about to be, right? So, when I hear lyrics like this, R. Kelly, play me something from the old school. Hey, boy, won't you play? Won't you play for me right now? Give me that old school beat. I want to hear it here, grooving all night long. I got to let you know you got it going on. Play it for me. What is it? Music, music, sure.
1: I can separate it, because if I didn't, I'd be throwing up on our table right now. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, It's about music.
0: It's about music.
1: It's in that same way, that scene from Juno, where they're just sharing music.
0: Hey, boy, let me hear your song. Yeah, play it till the break of dawn. Keep it right here, grooving all night. I gotta let you know that it feels so right. Play it for me. Music. Music. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, interpret it how you will. (laughs) Anyway, and just to hammer it home... This song also straight up rips off the Isley Brothers song Between the Sheets.
1: Uh, don't do it. I really like that song.
0: sheets do, do 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 so like i'm sitting here going like that song is overtly sexual between the sheets yeah i it, it, this song calls that song to mind so i can't not think of the sexual innuendo of this song because the song they ripped off to make this one is overtly sexual
1: i'm done with this line of questioning
0: all right so with that we're gonna we're gonna put a pause on that but also i want to say this remember when robin thick got into legal trouble because he kind of Used like Mm -hmm. Marvin Gaye song, like kind of to build his own song off of, but it was like in my mind it was legally distinct. If that song, if this song was legally distinct, that song should have been legally distinct. Just saying, this is just as much ripping off the Isley Brothers as Robin Thicke was ripping off Marvin Gaye. I rest my case.
1: Sad question. Didn't the Isley Brothers write on a song? Was it not this one? There was a cover. Oh, okay.
0: they, there's another song where they cover okay. the Isley brothers, but this is straight up an Isley yeah, brothers yeah, yeah. song and it's uncredited. So Got it. legally dubious. That is AJ nothing but number because uh, Jess is done.
1: I'm very done. I was done 40 minutes ago.
0: <laughs> Would you recommend? No, no. And that's the, that's the tragedy of it because you can't get rid of the R. Kelly smell from this album. It, it's it's it. The whole album is, is covered in it. <laughs>
1: I recommend Aaliyah. I re- Find a different album.
0: Yeah. Because it's, re- it's like, I, I want to jam through these songs, but you can't. Like, you can't in good conscience, like, knowing the backstory, listen to these songs with any kind of, like, reverence because you're just like, it's it's icky.
1: It's very icky. It's weird.
0: And I don't like it. <laughs> um, so let me tell you how A J. another nothing but a number was received. Um, the album debuted at number 24 on the Billboard 200 chart and peaked at number 18. Overall, the album sold 3 million copies in the United States and 6 million copies worldwide. It was a hit. And I'm happy for her that it made her some money.
1: Yeah, I'm happy that she was able to break into the,
0: the industry. industry. Yeah. Finally. Um, the album was generally well-received by critics, with most praising Aaliyah's voice mixed with R. Kelly's modern production. I'm sorry. Uh, there was, however, criticism over the amount of filler tracks. I agree with that. There's a lot of filler. Yeah. It's like 12 songs long and like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. At, at one point, they just all start blending together. Yes, that's true. Uh, Billboard said, "Quote: The golden production touch of mentor R. Kelly is strongly felt here, and he has a field day with Aaliyah's warm, silky voice, which has a depth and range that belie her youth." You agree that she's a good singer? I didn't like how any of that was worded. <laughs> I've got even. I've got an even worse one. <laughs> time in a poor choice. Time in a poor choice of words said, "Quote: Aaliyah's." girlish, breathy vocals rode calmly on R. Kelly's rough beats.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Stop it. sighs>
0: Try harder time. <laughs> Do better. <laughs> Do better. God, it's so bad. It's it, it's impossible not to talk about, like...
1: It's fine. It's fine. It's not fine. <laughs> Moving on.
0: Um, and thanks to the album, Aaliyah was nominated for Favorite soul slash R&B new artist at the 22nd American Music Awards. And for best R&B soul or rap new artist and best R&B soul album female at the Soul Train Music Awards. Good job, Leah. Yeah. So. Good job. That's the album. Where did Aaliyah go from here? (laughs) Because this is the last time we get to talk... About Aaliyah, unfortunately. Unfortunately, this is the only album. We, we, would, For me. we would one day maybe like to do a side episode where we talk about oh, absolutely. An, a, 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 a good um, Aaliyah album. Yes,
1: we're going to be doing that.
0: Here's something unfortunate about the legacy of Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. As the album's copyright is still owned by Jive Records, now a subsidiary of Sony Music, Age Ain't Nothing But a Number is the only Aaliyah studio album that is legally distributed today. Streaming, online, anywhere. You can't buy any of her other albums legally. Uh, The reason for this is her remaining catalog is reportedly still owned by Blackground Records who have not made the music available on online storefronts. There's like rumor that they're going to bring it back. Like they're going to bring it one day, but it's just like hasn't happened. And I'm sure it's frustrating for all of her fans.
1: That's just, yeah. yeah.
0: It is on YouTube, like, you can listen to all of her stuff, but it's just, like, you you can't Can't listen to, like, a good remastered version of these songs, you know?
1: Come on, B-E-D? What are they?
0: B-G-E? Come on, (laughs) y'all! And what of those later releases? Where did Aaliyah go from here? After leaving Jive Records and signing with Atlantic Records, Aaliyah worked with producers Timbaland and Missy Elliott to record her follow-up, 1996's One in a Million. yeah. Uh, The album sold better than her debut and generated the number one single, If Your Girl Only Knew. I don't know what that's on. Oh, I also don't know what
1: that's
0: on. She stayed busy for the next few years. She graduated from Detroit High School for the Fine and Performing Arts with a 4.0 grade point average. Get it, girl. (laughs) She contributed to a handful of soundtrack albums, including Stuart Little and Fantasia. Okay. And began an acting career, with her first film role being 2000's Romeo Must Die.
1: Did Romeo die? I don't know. Do you know who Romeo was? Nope. Jet Li?
0: Lil' Romeo? No. <laughs> uh, she served as an executive producer on the film soundtrack and contributed four songs, including the single Try Again, which topped the Billboard Top 100. Uh, that song earned Aaliyah a Grammy Award nomination for Best Female R&B Vocalist and wins for Best Female Video and Best Video for a Film at the 2000 MTV Video Music Awards. Her next album, simply titled Aaliyah, mm. uh, was released July 2001. However, just a month later, Aaliyah tragically passed away in a plane crash in the Bahamas. She was 22 years old. That sucks.
1: That does suck. That sucks so bad. That sucks so bad.
0: Yeah. Like, look, looking back, you're like, man, that's that's a lot of unrealized potential right there.
1: So much unrealized potential. Such a short life. That's it. You know? Like, ugh.
0: But, like, every... like. Since leaving, like, you know, when, when becoming an adult and, like, breaking out on her own, like, everything you read about her, she was a class act. Yeah. So.
1: She was that jazz personality.
0: <laughs> G mentality.
1: I don't want to quote that again because I know R. Kelly wrote that. Mm. But she was, yeah. <sighs> uh,
0: her album shot to number one on the Billboard 200 and earned Aaliyah two posthumous awards at the American Music Awards and three Grammy nominations.
1: Rest in peace. Yep.
0: Two posthumous Aaliyah compilation albums and two posthumous singles, one from Drake and one from Chris Brown, have been released since her passing. Um, Billboard lists Aaliyah as the 10th most successful female R&B artist of the past 25 years and the 27th most successful in history. Hmm. And Aaliyah's music has influenced numerous artists, including Adele, Beyonce, Rihanna, Kesha Cole, and Zendaya, to name a few. Respect, Aaliyah.
1: Lots of respect. Why did we end with her? Why didn't we start with Dream with, with Alia and end with Dream Theater? This feels like a a a, a, a downer s- ending. A downer ending. You planned poorly, husband.
0: <laughs> it's just the way it is. I needed to open the segment with AJ, nothing but a number, because that's the only way we could have talked about it.
1: Punch you in the face.
0: <laughs> oh, but that is that. Let's. <laughs> who won? We don't have to do album covers, do we? We got to do album covers. But who won first? Uh, dream Theater. Yeah. Um, it, like I said, it's impossible not to, like, factor R. Kelly into all this. Like, if he was not a factor, Aaliyah would have been in the running. But, maybe. Maybe. But we yeah.
1: would. We, I don't know what her songs would have been like at 14.
2: Exactly. <laughs> you yeah. know?
1: But, like, if she had gotten somebody to write the songs for her, like, oh, man. Who's that man whose name we've said many times?
0: Desmond Child. The no, guy?
1: not him. The
0: one who uh, Fresh Prince. Oh, uh, Quincy Jones.
1: Yeah. Like if Quincy Jones had been like writing with her or think different, completely would have reached a whole, maybe, maybe just saying.
0: Why not get Tony, Tony, Tony in there? <laughs> Boys to men.
1: Anyway, I just, yeah. Like Dream Theater wins because I I cannot in any conscience recommend.
0: Listening. AJ Nothing But Number. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm sorry for all the people who have listened to this that are offended by that, but that is where I stand.
0: And I, I can't argue with it. Like. It's like it it is really hard to separate it, but like some of these songs, like they're so like innocent in their subject matter where it's like you can kind of just like ignore that bit. Like the first couple songs. Yeah. Like back and forth. But like other than that, like there's just a lot of creepy lyrics in this. So much creeps. Yeah. But as we've always said, there's you can't judge a music album on the music alone because you also have to look at the album cover. Sometimes it's just as important. Here the the album covers actually tell the story of the album, they they do, in in their visuals. So, I've got the album covers up here. Can you describe the album cover for Dream Theater's Awake
2: for us?
1: Um, It is a mostly black and white um, picture. Somebody is standing on a desert plain with a city in the background and a moon that is actually a clock uh, in the sky. And then there is a mirror... That is uh, gold and covered in gold leaves with color inside uh, and somebody's face staring from the mirror. Probably Kevin's. (laughs) And um, inside there, it is blue skies and red sand and white man face. Just half of it.
0: So um, the artwork was designed by artist Larry Fremantle, who had designed the cover for the band's previous album, Images and Words. Uh, We talked about it. Basically, he was working at a company called um, Access Images at the time. And he used like this prototypical version of, pro- of Photoshop. Mm-hmm. And basically he was taking elements, you know, disp- different elements, compositing them together to make this image, right? And it's just like, so he's doing the exact same thing he did there. It- it's like a bunch of unrelated elements all kind of meshed together into this right. collage type thing, yeah. right? Um, the, the difference here though, is that access images, um, had broken up by the time of Awakes, release. So Fremantle did it all on his own using stock images that he found himself.
1: Oh, thanks guy.
0: Yeah. Um, it's, it's fine.
1: Yeah. It's whatever.
0: It's, it's not, it's not a great album. Um, a a lot of the elements that he used, um, all relate to lyrics and songs from the album. So like the clock in the sky, six o'clock. Yeah. It's set to six. mirror. Yeah. Um. The, there's like a dude looking in the mirror um it could be a reference to the song the silent man mm. which we didn't talk about um
1: yeah it's it's a it's fine
0: yeah it's dark so shadows off a dream <laughs> space divest there's space and there's planets in, in the sky
1: yeah there's a saturn and some uh stars
0: yeah so it's 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 not it's not a great album but it's fine and I I, I I guess it it's not a great cover but it's fine it, do, it does its job and it's iconic because it is the album cover for this album to Dream Theater fans. People yeah. who like this album see this cover and think, oh, yeah, that's a great album. Yeah. Um, like I said, it tells the story of the album because it has all the different elements yeah. from the songs. Uh, let's, you can swipe on over. You can see the album cover for uh, Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. What do you see?
1: Aaliyah in a lot of black with sunglasses and a beanie. Uh, with her name written right across her shoulder, and then in the corner, we have the phonetic spelling of it. Because, I, I appreciate
0: that a lot. Yeah. So that if you're looking at there's like, how do you say that name? Yeah, because oh,
1: Aaliyah's name is spelled A-A-L-I-Y-A-H, which I, you know, and so it's yeah
0: And she's in the foreground, yes. in focus.
1: And then uh, right to the other side of her, it just says AJ, nothing but a mum number, and uh, she's leaned against a wall, and then in the background, out of focus, is an unnamed man.
0: You know who that is. It's Mr. Robert Kelly. So, unfortunately, he's also tainted the album cover. Yep. And I think this one represents the story of this album, where it's like, Aaliyah should be front and center, but that weirdo and creep is always in the background. Yep. Always in view, right there in the corner of your eye. And I hate it. <laughs> Which album cover's better? Dream Theater. Agreed. It's like, if R. Kelly wasn't there, that'd be a really cool image. Like, she looks, like, really cool. She looks very Detroit. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't know, man. She she looks, like, very... I'm not saying she's not cool. She looks striking in that photo. I'm yeah. Like, I, I see that album cover, like, oh, yeah, that looks like a tough chick. I'd listen to that album. Yeah, you would. But I'm looking at here and I just see R. Kelly, like, looking like a weirdo in the background. I'm like, nope, I hate it.
1: <laughs> thanks. I, no, thanks.
0: <laughs> no, thanks. I hate it. But that is our music episode. Who won? I won both of those things. That's true. Runners up.
1: Runners up. All right. So for you, sir, had we not listened to Awake by Dream Theater, we could have been listening to Green Day,
0: Doki. Dookie. Dookie. <laughs> that's that's like their album, their big one. That, ah. That's a great album because it's Green Day all of their like a lot of their hits. I feel like you've been saying that for the last couple Yeah, no, years. like yeah, that that was a pretty close runner up like obviously Dream Theater being my favorite band. Like they obviously took it, but like I've listened to Dookie all the way through. I have mm-hmm. I, lo- I love all those songs. It's like that, like, that pop-punk sound, that's what Dream Theater was, like, up against. And Dookie hit it out of the park, unfortunately, you know? Yeah. The, audi- the mainstream audiences, they wanted Dookie. They yeah. They didn't want to wake. No, they didn't. Father that <laughs> that sounds gross. <laughs> they, were- <laughs> they did it on purpose. Yeah. It's like, this music is... That was when they sold out, you know? Uh. It wasn't punk enough for the punk fans. Uh.
1: Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next, we could have listened to uh, "Super Unknown" by Frown Garden. Sound Garden. I literally have Frown Garden written. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is uh, once again, Dream Theater is also uh, competing with Grunge and "Super Unknown" by Sound Garden is the one with Black Hole Sun on it. It's mm-hmm. probably their biggest hit, like in the mainstream. Yeah. So it's a great album.
2: Black
1: Hole Sun. I
0: don't. I don't like it as much as Bad Motorfinger, but it's pretty dang good. Does that mean
1: you flip someone off? Is that what a Bad Motorfinger is? I don't know.
0: I think it's like a. It's a uh, like an inversion of another album title from another oh. band. So I think it's like a joke. I have to look it up. Got it.
1: And we already discussed them. The Offspring, Smash.
0: Hey, there you go. Uh, well, again, all, those three albums were the three types of music other than like the metal side. Those are all like mostly punk and alternative. But like on the punk alternative side, that's who Dream Theater was up against. Mm. And those were way more popular than Dream Theater was.
1: But not in this household. Sm-
0: Smash is great. I love that album. I listened to a lot of that in high school as well, but there's some filler tracks that I just don't like. What are your runners up?
1: Um so you're gonna have to help me out with some of these because I think there were just like one songs on them. So we could have listened to Weezer Blue, their
0: blue album. I'm not a Weezer fan. I probably played you a few songs like you heard that one? Like the yeah. different singles you like, probably, Yeah, I guess Yeah, I probably heard a song. Ashpipe Maybe. I don't yeah. know. I'm not a Weezer fan. I don't know. Okay. I, I, that one was maybe just like, hey, here are some singles. Do you recognize this song? And you're like, yes.
1: <laughs> uh Desiree, I ain't moving, which I'm pretty sure,
0: uh, you gotta be hoes,
1: you gotta be huh, you gotta be stronger. Not, it was awful Don't know. It's a good song. I believe you. Uh Boys to Men, two, and Brandy's Brandy.
0: Was it was Brandy with out Monica at this point? <laughs>
1: i don't know they had one song together oh, okay <laughs> oh man um oh i just looked to see what our tv shows for this year are i'm much more excited about that look forward to that next week hey, TV's but gonna be fun. are our runners up
0: yeah i had some big I, they, a lot of big a lot of big fun albums i would have liked to talk about for 94 i would have liked to talk about anything else <laughs> would have liked to talk about boys to men <laughs> Anyway, that's that's our show. That's it. Let's do plugs so we can get out of here. <laughs> yeah. All right. So if you <laughs> like the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Mediumate Show, and you can follow us on Instagram at made Show. We put stuff up there like polls, so you get to vote. If you you love Aaliyah and uh, don't care about all that other stuff we talked about, then you you can vote all you want. Uh, we also share things like fun videos and pictures and original art by Jess and a lot of cool stuff like that. There'll probably be less art this <laughs> this time <laughs> around. Um. As for me, you can follow me personally on Twitter at RodTheMaster. I work for a Zelda website called ZeldaDungeon.net. We write all about the video game series The Legend of Zelda, so if you like that, you can check us out. I also host a wrestling YouTube show called Keep Kayfabe, that's K-A-Y-F-A-B-E, where we follow the careers of our favorite wrestlers. So, um, sometime soon, uh, perhaps even by the time you're listening to this, we have an episode coming out about NWO Sting in cobra from wcw so yeah look forward to that and uh
1: if you want to look for me i am on youtube at taming tales where i tell stories to art ish sort of thing and if you want to find me follow me on twitter you're gonna have to figure out who i am first i'm not dropping that at
2: yeah
0: (laughs) anyway with that tell us what would you like to close the show out with is there a good Aaliyah song from her solo years that you would like yes, to close Yes, a song out?
1: from uh, the Doolittle soundtrack called uh, uh, Are You Somebody.
0: Are You Somebody. So we're going to close out with a good Aaliyah song that's free from any of the weirdness. It's her on her own doing good work. Also, she's of age, so
1: it's, uh, it's fine if it feels a little sexual. <laughs>
0: Sh- shout out to Stuart Little. <laughs> No, Dr. Doolittle. Shout out to Dr. Doolittle. No, don't shout out Dr. (laughs) Doolittle. Shout out to uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s Dr. Doolittle.
1: No, it was Eddie Murphy's Dr. Doolittle.
0: Anyway, hey, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time with our TV of 1994.
1: Night, kids.